Welcome to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast with Brian Birdsong, Alex Dean, Kenny Hutton, and Nick Wisdom. Welcome to the Rotor Revolution. I'm your host, Nick. This is episode six. That's right, we made it through five on to number six, and with me, I have a full house this week. What's up, fellas? What's, what's up, what's up? On? Happy Hello, New Year, people. everyone. Happy New Year, that's right. This is the first episode we've dropped uh, since oh, yeah. the new year. Uh, so we have a fifth with us this week, uh, a voice you have uh, heard on many a podcast over the years, uh, a gentleman who's well-known in the hobby, doesn't need much of an introduction so, Scott Graham, uh, welcome to the Rotor Revolution. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting me be a fifth wheel. Yeah, What's anytime, man. <laughs> so, we got the whole rest of the gang here. We're going to kind of go through some updates. We've got a lot to cover this week, get a little bit of news as usual. And then uh, we're going to take a stab at our first model review uh, this week. So, uh, we'll see. Have some patience with us. It might be a little rough at first as we, you know, adjust to the format and get a handle on it. But, uh, and then after that, you're going to want to hang out to the end of the episode. There's a brief segment at the end you will not want to miss. Uh, anyway, with all that out of the way, uh, what do you say we get into some updates, some rotor recaps? We do love our rotor puns here. Uh, I, think, who I feel like first? there needs to be a sound like, do, 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 it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know Brian's what happens when you say that, right? Back. I'll find a sound. Mm-hmm. Rotor recaps. Who's up first? Not it. I guess I'll go since I probably have the longest update. So first of all, thank you fellas like for that. holding it down for me last episode. Had a little family issue to deal with, but all is well. So we uh, missed you, Brian. I know. I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that does not sound like me. <laughs> it doesn't. After I, lis- I listened back to it and I went, huh, that kind of sounds like it might have been offensive to Brian. <laughs> oh, no, I was cracking up, dude. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> But no, so um, last I spoke to, um, so we have finished up our bill party. I know Nick gave some details on what he uh, was able to accomplish, but I was able to finish up the Soxus Strike 7.1. Um, I did a kind of a backyard hover maiden of it, which just to make sure all the control surfaces were working properly. And that was great, but I had an opportunity to take it out to the field. Uh, what was that, a couple of weekends ago, maybe last weekend? And when it was a decent weather, it wasn't so cold and windy, um, but was able to get through like one of my F3C routines with it, um, you know, flying it with the stock uh, 690 millimeter blades on it. Um, I kind of programmed it for F3C, you know, so hovering was pretty good. It was very stable, uh, very uh, solid. On, what is what does it mean to program it for F3C? Can you- yeah, OK, well, that's a good question. Um so F3C birds aren't as agile as like 3D birds, right? So we tend to reduce a lot of rates in their um, control surfaces. I mean, each particular, especially coming from a Futaba standpoint, I mean, uh, my, my elevator rates um, are slightly higher than my aileron rates. Um, I turn my rotor rate like down so low the rotation rate is just super slow so no matter what stick input i give it it's going to rotate at that one constant rate so um 
and that's just kind of for hover mode. Now the aerobatic mode, um, it's kind of 3D like, right? You turn everything back up because you want to make sure you you know have full control when you go do the sport flying and things like that. So, so uh, is the is the hover mode? 3 dable at all, or is it so slow that no. that would be scary? <laughs> <Okay>. So scary. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And I'll give you an example. So my pitch curve in hover mode is like negative, you know, one degree all the way up to like positive six and a half, seven. That's it. So Scott, you've thrown you've flown one of these machines set up like this before? I flew Angel Rojas's in Florida, and me and Jason Bell passed the radio back and forth. And both of us screamed at different points because we thought we were going to crash this helicopter because we got it just a little bit too angled and it's so slow at recovering. It was just going to oh, go yeah. into the ground and we're like, oh, yeah. no, try not to. Oh, it's that slow. Oh, it's so it's slow. Super slow. Super slow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, my, my, and what I do, I offset my pitch curve too, right? So my mid stick is you know normally in in your your normal setup you have zero degrees at mid stick right well for me my mid stick is about positive three and a half to four degrees right so i i tend to pick up right there and and live there it's really comfortable on the thumbs you know you don't want your thumb stretched too high or too low whenever you need to maintain that constant um height when you're hovering right um because you do a lot of traveling pirouettes really slow um on a straight line straight angles, really slow and, and subtle movement. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll have to really share and break that down to you guys in one episode. Okay. I, I would, I think it would be neat to see maybe even a video of, Hey, this is what my rates look like. And this is like sure. full stick deflection, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. I think we should put you in the sticks and video it and post it. <laughs> also, <laughs> like I, I, Selfie cam. <laughs> yeah. I have, Whenever you fly someone else's machine, if you didn't go look at what their settings are, it can be scary because you you don't realize, oh, I, like Scott said, I'm not going to catch it. <laughs> yeah, you know. But no, back to the Soxus. I mean, like I said, it flew very well. I kicked it up to aerobatic mode. And again, so, so the RPMs are different, right? So my hover mode rates are about 1350. And then when I kick it up to my aerobatics, I'm sitting at about 1850. So, um, you know, did some, some decent... Uh, uh, Pass bys, uh, flybys rather. Um, speed was great. You know, I was able to uh, fly by and climb, you know, 150 feet easy. Do uh, one of my routine, my aerobatic routines, and yeah, just uh, it flew very well. It rolled well. I mean, it's very axial, um, uh, very smooth, symmetrical loops out of that guy. Even for the the 690 millimeter blades, you know, I normally for a 700 size bird, I normally run about 720s. Uh, my Genesis, which is a little bit bigger than a 700 size, runs 747. So um, it's even more stable, give you more speed with that kind of disk space up in the, up in the sky. So um, it was good. It was really good. I'm, I'm going to I need to tweak it a little bit more because it was uh, a, a bit more agile than I'd like um, upstairs. Uh, so I'll do that and uh, definitely switch those blades out for some uh, some 720 F3C blades, which will make it even more stable than what it is right what now. Are, what are brands that you run for F3C blades? Um, there's some fun techs um, that are out there. You, you buy them from RC Japan. Um, there's some RVE blades as well that you can buy from RC Japan. Um, there are a couple of new blades that are uh, kind of in, in test mode right now. I can't really name them, uh, but they'll be sold here in the state. So I'm looking forward to uh, helping that group test those blades out 
and uh, you know, get them sold here. I just I hate buying from RC Japan because it just takes forever to get things right. I, I hate buying uh, from RC Japan because I feel bad from not buying it from someone in the U.S. Also, <laughs> <laughs> that too. And you'd be you'd be surprised, though, Alex. I mean, um, you know, some of the items that you buy there are not supported here. So, for instance, me, I'm I'm the bad guy, right? So I have a I had a radio that was bought from um, uh, RC Japan. And needed support on it and try to send it to the manufacturer here in the States. And it was like, uh, oh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. We won't touch that. You need to send that back to Japan for support. So I was like, okay, never again. So just be careful on some of the things that you do buy that if you do need support, uh, you'll have to send it back to RC Japan. And you just have to wait until they repair it and send it back to you. So, you know, lesson learned. Cool. Anyway. Um, so yeah, socks flew very well. Uh, other things. Um, so wait, wait, I, wait, know, wait, wait. hold on a second. Hold on Uh-oh. a second. So the Uh-oh. Soxos flew well. I know you talked about the it being your practice bird for F3C. Do you feel yeah. like it's going to fill that role? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be great. Um, like I said, and I only flew it once, to be honest with you. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, 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 a dusky day. So, you know, your, your helicopter gets really silhouetty in the sky, especially for us because we fly like a couple of hundred yards out. And for us to kind of go out and turn around and pass by, it's like, Jesus, you can barely see the orientation. So I got one good flight with it. Um, it, it is definitely going to be a nice uh, practice bird. Um, I was going to use my Spectre V1 as a practice bird, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to uh, re-enter the uh, auto sli- the sliding auto contest with that V1 this year. So there you uh, go. hopefully Scott will be there. <laughs> I'm Where do y'all do that at? And not the nah. debris contest. I'm not going to nah. win the debris prize. I'm winning the longest slide this year, damn it. Uh, you better try hard. <laughs> I love so the I'm confidence. I'm going to reserve though. that bird until September to fly in the auto slide. <laughs> I'm going to reserve my practice bird to September. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun, fun, fun. But, uh, but no, man. So other things, I mean, I uh, started some of my winter projects here. Uh, you know, the Soxes was one of them. Um, I also, and I'm sure you guys seen pictures posted online on Facebook, uh, this little 3D printed kind of um, ESC wire channel that I uh, designed yeah, really and, cool. and mounted to the side of the, the Soxes. So oh, you, designed you know, that? I, I hate wiring my birds. I'm terrible at it. And anything I can find to help me, you know, make it look decent um I'm, I'm all for it so i just thought i'd design this and uh get it mounted it looks pretty good so i like that it looks great that for a bunch it of came out really nice yeah thank you thank you yeah right um, i would totally buy one for a different model yeah, too. that's cool you know i got a lot of i got a lot of uh inquiries on that thing too so i don't know we'll see yeah i have to talk to mr melnick and, and make sure he's cool with it 99.95 <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely um, you know, I talked about, uh, my next scale bird project and, um, I've been chatting with Evan Sayers. Uh, he's, he's pretty big in the scale community and trying to decide, well, which bird I'm going to build. He's like, dude, you should do a super Cobra or the Apache helicopter. He said, I know your flying style. You like, you like speed, you like agility. So I think one of those, uh, military birds that do you well. So I'm trying to decide which one I want to do. Um, I don't know, maybe the community can help me out. You know, which one should I do? The the Super Cobra or the Apache helicopter? I want to do one of those guys, so we'll see how that turns out. I think you I should do both. Are, yeah, they're <laughs> <laughs> they're both awesome yeah. pellies. 
I'll eat up my RC budget, my helicopter budget in the first couple of months of the year here and I'm done. All right. That's always the answer. <laughs> no, I think that Cobra with that sleek body. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the Apache look too. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. And what else? Finally, so I, I've started organizing my hobby room. That was one of my goals was to get this damn room organized because, you know, you, you, as you get new kits to build or get new things in your room, you, you kind of push old things aside. And so I got like this whole like mound of old things stacked on the side that I just really need to organize and, and, and get cleaned up. I want to put some, uh, some vertical shelving in here as well to kind of get things organized too. So I started cleaning up my hobby room. So um, that's, that's a cool winter project for me too. Now that it's getting too damn cold to go out and fly, well, for me it is. So, but, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's, that's what I've been doing. I'll talk nice. about this TV 40 then later on down the news, but, uh, but that's what's going on. Yep. I know, dude. It's a solid update. Uh, who wants to follow that up? I can. Mine be short. <laughs> Go for it, Ken. I, did, I didn't have much in the way of flying. Um, got a few flights again with the S1 at home, but weather's not cooperating. Just mainly had cold weather. And when it wasn't cold the past few days, it's been raining. So that's about it. Just, um, ordered some spares for the S1 because I've been flying, crashing and repeating with that, you know, just to practice like and have fun. fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I, I switched now because I took it into the fence a few times in my backyard because there's like a fence three quarters of the way back. So it's, it's hung from the fence a few times now. Is, so this, a, <laughs> is this a wooden plank fence or is this something else? Like chain leak style. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, I'd be playing around and going, dipping down and going over, you know, and eventually just, slam into it one way or another and so i decided I to take it worse. out the side what's that i don't know what's worse for that thing chain link or wood plank vinyl whatever the chain link didn't do it well once at least <laughs> <laughs> but i went to the side yard it's a bigger area and there's no fence there so it's been a lot better over there haven't had any issues flying on that side of the field the only other than that wire, just right? um doing you know still working on the tron 7 repairs and still uh considering going with uh uh, converting the the five point eight heritage over to a dynamic instead of ordering the kit, maybe nice if that works a little easier for me. Mm-hmm. Very nice, cool. Everyone that was recording is uh, wearing the hat that Nick made for us right now, except for me <laughs> and Nick, but and and Scott and uh, Nick sent it out in a box that said "send it in." And when Kenny posted his picture of the "send it in" box, I thought you'd packed up the Spectre and sent it in. <laughs> yeah the box actually got sent when i got the hat the box looked like it got kicked around by hds yeah, delivery off of a <laughs> it was messed i up, thought you purposely like put the helicopter in there and then rough the box up like you were mad at it and yeah, you were sending it into excel like, it power sin. <laughs> yeah the box that was appropriately named box right there i know i was in the post office and i, I whatever i finally needed to mail out the hats and i saw the box said send it on the outside of the box i'm like oh yeah that's the one that's awesome right on all right alex am i allowed to go next or or do you need to throw me under the bus first wait a minute i got one more thing it's not really new sorry go ahead let me throw this in there i came up with a new maneuver scott what was that maneuver i called it the graham slam oh geez i guess (laughs) he's like oh geez (laughs) i saw he was doing it again in one of his videos you know it's like kind of like a half pure out and then half pure back but reversing you know with your skids in and nose out oh, kind of nice. goes back and forth so i guess that's the grand grand slam i don't uh, know one of three things i know and that's it 
you're, you're good at it. Lies. Got to learn that one. Okay, I think I'm good now. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and go. Um, go right ahead. So I did get out to fly not too long after the holidays um, and had, I think, what was an awesome day with the raw Nitro 700, finally. So I put a new carburetor on it. Uh, been chasing this problem where it's been a really inconsistent tune. You get it dialed in one day in the same weather and you go to fly it the next day on the same weather and it's like wildly rich or lean. Uh, it's just been really inconsistent. So, uh, But I had no Nitro buddies that day. This was the oh, first on, day I brought... You know what's ironic about this, Nick, is that when I saw you, you were like, I didn't get the regulated version because I've heard of all the problems people have with getting a consistent tune on it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn quickly that all anything Nitro I say is parroted from somebody smart who told it to me. So <laughs> technically, it's not my fault. I just repeated what someone else said. Um, as I learn, I'll be the first to tell you I'm, an, I'm a Nitro idiot. Uh Got the 700 out, but it's a brand new carburetor, and I have no Nitro buddies, but it was too beautiful not to fly. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to dial it into stock settings, and we're just going to see if we can tune this thing by ourselves and dial it in. And there were many messages flying in our podcast chat group, and Kenny and Alex were uh, throwing some great tips my way uh, as I was going through it. But I'm pretty proud to say I actually I had that thing ripping pretty good by the end of the day. I mean, it was not... As great a tune as someone way wiser than I would would get, but I was really happy with it, and I put more than a gallon through it that day, uh, just wow. over. Um, Dude, how long and, were you there for? Uh, I don't know. It was a solid four to six hours, something like that. So you were flying back to back. That's just like five we just though. forgot to turn the pump off a few times and shot <laughs> it all over the ground. It's also got a the giant tank in it, so uh, it goes through a lot of fuel. Uh, so that was awesome. I was super excited to do that. But I also had the raw 580 Nitro with me, which I was excited to fly. And on the first flight with that, I don't know what happened. It was really cold to start. So maybe I just really hadn't changed the tune for the temperature. Uh, but I started it. It was fine. Pull it up into hover. It was fine. And then I went to do a punch out to kind of just check how the tune was doing with the weather. And it went up about 15 feet in the air, bogged and stalled. And then here I am at no man's zone, excuse me, no man's zone for autos. So you're 15 feet in the air. So you don't really have enough height to get much RPM. And the helicopter's drifting upwards because you're in the middle of a punch out. So this is like worst case scenario. So full negative pitch. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give me some, give me some RPM, Loss of please. rotor revolution at that point. Yeah. And... I got lucky. By the time it hit the ground, it had slowed a little, but I definitely bounced it in and it broke a skid, uh, but that's all it did. So I haven't actually flown it since then. I've repaired it since then, but I haven't gotten the 580 back in the air to see what's up with that. So hopefully that doesn't become like the new nitro problem child. I, I sort of have this theory that maybe between my two nitros, one of them will always be the problem child. Um, I don't know. I think you can get them both going and be pretty happy about it. I, I hope so. I was stoked. That was a good like confidence building day to be able to get the tune roughed in by myself. That uh that was big for me. I was excited. That always does feel really good. Like I remember the first time I was out, I was always flying gas with Doug. And when he was finally not there and I got mine tuned in, I was like proud of myself. So I feel that. Nice. So that was that flying day. Uh after that, or not too long after that, uh an aligned TB40 showed up at my house. 
uh, courtesy of Heli Direct. So working on the uh, content team over there, helping produce videos and, and other whatnots, we get access to some stuff. So uh, they cool. sent me a TB40 to do a whole bunch of short videos on in the Heli Direct Heli Addiction Facebook group. So that was kind of a fun challenge. I don't usually work in short video formats. I usually do long form. So uh, that was kind of fun. I'd never done it before. Uh, I learned a lot throughout that process from a content perspective. But as far as the TB40 goes, it's a fun little heli. I've never th- flown a 380 before. Uh, they're super, super fun. Super fun, super fast build. And it flies great. This is the short review. Um, you know, a couple of minor little issues with it along the way in the build, but nothing that wasn't, you know, too bad flies really well it flies surprisingly well at lower head speeds for a 380 like 2400 rpm that thing will go like seven and a half minutes and do all the 3d i can do which granted isn't a lot but super long flight times you could get if you were a beginner like learning hovers you could get nine minutes out of a 2200 milliamp pack on that thing and get all your upright hovers in for forever at a low rpm of like 2000 rpm so that was fun i enjoyed both making the videos i enjoyed getting to fly it and in fact, I enjoyed the 380 so much. Uh, I have to send this one back. It's not mine. It goes back to to the warehouse. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. But I'm like, well, I kind of want a 380 still because now I've like been bitten by the 380 bug. And I actually did all the flying at a local park that's pretty small uh, yeah. near my house. And I was like, okay, this is cool. It's like the biggest helicopter I could ever fly here, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. So I ordered a Goose Guy RS4 Venom. Ooh. <clears throat> which is sitting in a box behind me. It'll be interesting to see what you think compared to the two. Yeah, that was the other reason too. It was like, all right, I've gotten to try one and and liked it. Let me try a different one and see the difference between belt-driven motor and kind of the classic style, although it's a two-stage transmission on the TB40 versus these, you know, pancake direct drive motors in the the Venom, which I haven't tried yet. So I don't think you noticed that it has the pancake thing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Did you weigh that one by chance or did you send it back already or take it apart? Or? Uh, it's still here, so I can weigh it. Oh, weigh it. Might be you good to write definitely that down, weigh it yeah. and then weigh the venom. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. I should do that. Um, don't let me forget that. I will. Uh, so that was fun. I enjoyed the TB40 a lot. And then I had, I had a little problem. Um, Uh-oh. Well, I kind of broke one of my resolutions already. I'm going to try not to buy any more helicopters unless I sell one first. Um, so I don't want to grow my fleet any if I want to try something new. Oh, you bastard. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, got him. Oh, you got me. What'd you do? You dusted off electronics you found now and you got a, ready for another kit? Well, basically, I was like cleaning out my shop, trying to like pull out all the extra stuff I need to sell. Like I have a bunch of extra canopies where I've changed colors or, or whatever. Just I have a bunch of stuff I need to get out of my shop and list for sale that I need to do soon. So I was cleaning out all that stuff and I sold my Puma last year and I put all the electronics in a box and tucked it away and I kind of forgot about that box. And then I found that box and was like, huh, we got low profile uh, servos, we got a motor, we got an FBL, we got an ESC. I was like, man, I have everything I could ever need for a dynamic except the dynamic. Huh. And I keep, I've been thinking about that kit for a while. I don't know. There's something about it. And maybe it's just all the videos I've seen of other people. Like Ben's door, it makes it look ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Ben's, Scott's recent videos flying yeah. his make it look damn good. Um, it just. Well, I have to ask. I want to ask Scott more about his setup on his. So we'll yeah. do that when he goes. Me too. Um, 
And so I'm going 6S initially, but I bought a motor such that I can easily go up to 8S. So the KV is really set for 8S on the motor, but I've swapped pinions so I can like start 6S and then it's just one pinion swap back to stock and I can try 8S. So um, so we're going to give that a shot, but I built it in like it's done and ready for setup right now. I just got to wire it and set it up. I built it in like two days, um, maybe two in a little bit. Uh, which is fast for me with life going on, but that's what today was raining. Skip work, and it was miserable. And I, yeah, I just skipped work today. <laughs> basically, I worked for myself. I gave myself the day off, and I just built the helicopter all day long. Like for, I put in about seven hours on it today. Um, Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, the truth is, work travel for me kicks into high gear. By the time you hear this episode, I'm on the road for forever. So. Got to take advantage of these days when I can get them. So that was yeah, a but you super got like a fun month build. Off. I mean, it, you know, similar, but huh? Uh, you had like a whole month off though in December. Yeah, but so did the kids. Was the problem? <laughs> they were off for like oh. two weeks of that. Yeah, and if you're traveling like that, I think you have to utilize that time. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, not just so, for hobby. Yeah, exactly. Spending time with the kids and stuff, but. uh I'm psyched. I, I got to say, I, I, I never really bonded well with my Puma. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. We just, I don't know, it was too floaty. So I'm going to run 690s on this uh, in hopes of like making it a little heavier on 6S or feel a little heavier, heavier disc loading. And uh, we'll see how we get on. But uh, I'm excited about it. It looks great. I've got the, the yellow canopy with the first RC yellow blades. They're like a perfect color oh, match. Yeah. I think it's going to look really good in the air. Yeah, it does look cool. I saw pictures of it. It's really good. Quick question, guys, and it's and it's for all you fellas. You know, I guess the 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 standard bird versus its light um, side to it, right? So you got the the Tron Advance, and then you have the Tron Dynamic. And here's the analogy I'm going to use, and you guys tell me if I'm right, right? So you're holding a baseball bat. And this baseball bat could be 35 ounces, right? And you know, it's kind of heavy for a bat to swing but then you get the light version of that bat and it's 25 ounces does it feel the same way to fly a normal helicopter versus its light bird or is it just i don't know what uh flight time or what what's the differences between the two why 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 buy one versus the other scott why don't you take that to start yeah um so i used to be totally in the heavy 700 camp I love the way that you could kind of throw it through maneuvers. It would carry through and sort of fill in the blanks, if you would, just carrying it with mass and momentum. But I had recently like built a Puma, flew that, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But I didn't build it for myself, so I didn't get a whole lot of time on it. But it was damn snappy at like 2,000 RPM, and it felt like a heavier helicopter at like 2,400. And then recently, I decided to do the dynamic. And that thing blew my mind. So normally with a heavier helicopter, when you change directions sharply, um, you'll get a little bit of like, not flutter, but just you can tell it's kind of pushing the air out of the way and it's not quite as sharp as you'd expect unless you just crank Mm -hmm. the head speed to the moon. Then it moves like like you'd expect. That's why you end up running over 2200 on it. Exactly. Yeah. So with this dynamic, I'm running 2000 RPM and the thing weighs just over eight pounds and it's just ballistic. I love it. Wow. Wow. It's a does sharper it, feel. Does it have the feel that a nitro has, or does it have its own unique feel? It's, I think it's its own unique thing. Like everyone says, oh, it must be like nitro, but something about the way nitro delivers the power and the RPM changes so dynamically, nothing really matches that. 
where the even on 6s the dynamic has like twice the power of a nitro you know nice yeah very nice. cool mm-hmm. cool well that's it for me uh alex and or scott scott why don't you uh since you're up uh do it go ahead and dive yeah. into what you've been up to speaking of the dynamic <laughs> speaking of a dynamic um <laughs> I I put the word die in dynamic. Uh, <laughs> there you go, yeah, dude. <laughs> about a week ago, um, I thought it would be a good idea to practice some F3N stuff, which is my goal. I want to try and get good at that, and I'd love to compete this year. Um, already told the wife, I'm like, we're doing this. I don't care if I lose. I just want to show up and do it before I can't do it anymore. Because, yeah. um, you know, once your kid gets older at a certain point, if he wants to do helicopters, like, I don't want to compete because I'll be competing against him if he wants to do it sort of thing. Like the spotlight needs to be for him. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to the field to practice for me, I feel selfish. Whereas if he gets into it, I I think if he's flying though, you fly taking turns every other one. Yeah. But I I don't know. I guess I'd focus more on like him progressing than me. If he shows any interest anyway, off topic, but yeah, I figured that's where I want to go. So I was practicing some maneuvers. I forget what I was doing. I think I got sidetracked a little bit. And there was this one maneuver that that Jason Bell was doing in Florida that I had copied. And I had goofed it so bad, I drove it in backwards into the dirt, literally like mid-practice on other maneuvers. Like I was trying to work on rolling loops to try and get a rolling globe figured out, which isn't pretty, but it it's we're progressing. Let's just say that. <laughs> but I like took a little maneuver break where you're like, oh, let me just swing around and do something else. And I did this one like, um, it's like half a corkscrew. So I'm forward flight, nose forward. You do a half corkscrew. So now it's inverted, but nose up. And then you just scoop the tail backwards into rearward upright flight, like super aggressive, super low. Um, I did the super low part correctly. <laughs> I managed to bury the tail case into the ground at like mock Jesus. Jesus. the the video from that was uh or the the pictures you shared of you cleaning it in the kitchen sink <laughs> i forgot about that yeah it was so muddy i just put it under the tap and hosed it all out it was ridiculous so that guy has been out of commission and that was that weekend and i think two days from then i decided to build my nitro because all of a sudden i had this weird motivation to build another helicopter because i no longer had my other one that's um, not weird. Yeah, not yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Built the nitro. Uh, that thing flies amazing. Uh, I was always into like the black nitro. I liked the heavier nitro. Although I did like a Glogo when that came out, but it was a little bit too weak. It I kept breaking them. But yeah, this thing is just absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm super thrilled with it. I'm glad I bought it. I'm interested to hear your feedback on it versus the other light nitros that are out there. Yeah, yeah I mean, if it's as robust as a dynamic, which it should be, it is stronger than the other light nitro that I used to fly previous to this, the one I kept bending swash parts, let's just say. But I went to the field last weekend on Sunday, I think, freezing cold, 20 mile an hour winds, like gusting up to 20s or 15s. It was Ooh. really, really bad. Someone had said, I don't know if this is inappropriate for the show, but someone said, oh, the windsock has a hard on. Funniest thing I ever heard. Yeah. um, (laughs) Stiff. Yeah. Just straight out. But in all my infinite wisdom, I thought it would be a good idea to try and um, 
changed my fuel clunk because the fuel clunk line was a little bit too stiff. So it wasn't quite mm-hmm. going into the fuel. So I was like, oh, I'll just pull that out really quick and put some of the thinner SAB stuff I have. Yep. And uh, it, it, I ripped the, the, um, the grommet. I think everyone's done that. So yeah, I, I know, felt for you. I hadn't even flown it that day. I showed up at the field. It was just me. I shot a single photo and ripped that thing like five minutes later. And I just sat there until other people showed up because I could, I like, I knew I goofed it already. Dude, you know? I hate doing field maintenance on a nitro. <laughs> I hate being an idiot. Yeah, I think I have a couple of those like synergy style grommets just because I have the same thing. I've had a rip a few times. Yeah, I ordered 10 of them that day while I was sitting waiting <laughs> for my go. friends to show up. <laughs> So when this we is were, never happening uh, again. When we were in Virginia, I did that to my raw nitro, but uh, Charlie was there and he has a plethora of parts and Charlie pulled one out of a new kit for me. Everything. Super kind of it. That guy's the man. Oh, yeah. Charlie's like a rolling SAB factory in his yeah. RV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty much all I did. I hung out with uh, Chris Tucker. The guy, so it's KBDD's son, that guy. Okay, cool. Yeah, he just that. moved here from Ohio uh, last week. I'm interested to hear about your, because you kind of talked about how you're enjoying the lightweight machines a little more maybe than mm-hmm. the, 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 its its normal beefier counterpart. Are you running yeah. yours on 8S? No, 6S. I don't, I'm a huge believer that you don't need anything more than 6S. You're Dude, just being Every greedy. time I've flown a 700 on 6S, it, it doesn't feel bad. But do you have to be careful with the collective or are you able to pretty hammer on it pretty well? I, I guess that's subjective. I mean, I run 15 degrees of pitch on it still. That's a it, lot of pitch, dude. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I grew up flying really underpowered stuff. So <laughs> how do the batteries come down on that? Like, are they They're really hot? Or not they hot. Do yeah, pretty so good? I'll say this. I ran a Oxy 5 Meg on 6S. The setup came down hotter on the Meg than it does in the Dynamic. What? Now, yeah, nice. well, the That's Oxy, efficient. the 600 yeah. I was running about 20, about 24, 25 on the head on the Oxy, which isn't that ludicrous on a no, 600 really blade yeah. um, versus 2000 on this one. And honestly, it, it surprised me how well it worked. I thought I was going to be puffing packs. But That's what, what I was size running, are your packs? 5,000. And how long are your flight times at 2,000 beating on it pretty good? If I'm beating on it, it goes down to like two and a half, three minutes. But that's like what a 12S setup on a 700 does anyway, if you're really hammering yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. I can hammer on a 12S, do the same thing. Like it's, you know, if I, f- it's, it feels the same to me. I don't feel like I'm being shortchanged on flight time. If I drop the head speed to like 1800 and I fly normal, I can get like four or five minutes, like not an issue. Like a normal 700. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like I've not lost anything. I'm just able to fly twice as much because I charge. You know, just like I'm charging a 12S pack, except I get two flights out of that, which is great. And God forbid something happens like it did. I only lose a 6S 5000 versus a stick pack because I'm I'm one of those weirdos that has to have a stick pack because they're pretty and sleek. Um, but I I've killed so yeah. many stick packs in the years. <laughs> I'm, I'm over here like sulking because I'm in the camp of I also didn't really want to expand my fleet that much, but you're making me very intrigued. So, have you flown one of these on 8S? No. No, I'm sure it's good. Um, I've flown a 8S Oxy 5 Meg, and it felt good. I just so, I don't feel like messing with different batteries. I just, if 6S works, I get it's that. cheap. I don't want to have to buy all new 8S packs. Yeah. 
The other thing I'm not sure about is, is there such a thing as too light on a 700? I was hoping to find out this weekend with the wind. Because everyone's like, oh, how is it in the wind? Is it going to be hard to do stuff? I'm like, I have no idea. So I was super stoked to try one of the light helicopters in the wind and see what happens. Depends on what you're doing. I'm no, I'm sure Brian probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah, you, you can know, handle that, it. Sure. That's a good point because be you know, away. even when I fly F three C birds out there, you know, I, for instance, the Genesis. I mean, I fly the seven forty sevens on there, but on a windy day, that thing gets super floaty. So I would land it and put seven thirties on there. It feel much heavier, much stable. Hmm. To fly it that way versus the super floaty way. So I like a heavier bird just because of the stability of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would shorten the blades. When you do, you notice that the six S seven hundred you fly in a smaller box than you do the, the heavier counterpart. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't really. So it flies just as big. Like your your yeah. loops are just as big and all that stuff. You're not like losing yeah. momentum. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it rips. I mean, you, I don't know if I, I flew like a, a jerk the first flight just to kind of get a video of it and show what it can yeah, do. Yeah, the video it, is great. It'll rip it. It has no issues. Um, the only thing I notice is if I'm in a hurricane, I can't be an absolute ape with a collective. Like 12S, you could just bury it, right? And you could just go a million miles an hour. I feel like I've got to like push into it, right. but I don't know how much of that's in my head too because I'm flying on a 150 amp hobby wing. So I'm always in the back of my mind, like, am I going to set this thing on fire? Because uh-huh. the other guy I fly with <laughs> keeps overamping his on a 580. And here I am ripping a 700 wow. at like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> like, wow. I'm pretty yeah, sure dude. something yeah. bad's wow. going to happen. How's the ESC temps? Hobby Wing, I think, shuts down at like 70 degrees C, I think. And I think the worst I ever got was 68 degrees C. No, so you were close. It's pretty close. But it was pulling 270 amps. Whoa. Yeah. 200 and what? 270 amps on a 150. Damn. <laughs> yeah. It's, it blew my mind. I was like, how is that even possible? But on a regular basis, this thing's pulling, you know, mid twos to low twos. Wow. Um, dude. Wow. If I fly it conservatively, 1800, and I just do sport 3D technical maneuvers and stuff like, you know, a sane person should, I'm sub, you know, 170, 150 around about there for peaks. So that's well within its wheelhouse. Oh, I'd be interested to see what like a 12 point TikTok does because those are pretty hard on for the most I part. Think I'll try it. I'll give it a shot and let you know. If you get a picture of it in the dirt, you'll know what happened. <laughs> it was an 11 point TikTok. <laughs> you can clean it out in the kitchen sink. <laughs> Great. Maybe the toilet. Just give it a swirly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your wife came in like, why are you here and what are you doing? She wasn't even surprised. Wow. Yeah, she just looked at me, rolled her eyes, and walked away. I was like, figures. <laughs> He's doing it again. Yep. But that's all I got for my weeks. This is nice. Yeah, cool. I was interested to hear about your dynamic like feel and what you thought about it. So, well, crash yeah, is okay. Too. Yeah, it's good to know we're all kind of heading in that direction, building one or getting ready to. Well, we're not the, all yet. Yeah, the sickness <laughs> is spreading though, Alex. It's only a I matter know. of time. Do it, I know. Alex. Coming I, it's for my you. favorite. Scott's going to sell me on it. Ben Stork's been trying to sell me on it since he got one. All right, Alex, what have you been up to? Dude, we've... So I have also been extremely addicted to the hobby, but I, I'm going to go back a little bit. So the 30th here in, in Texas was just freaking amazing. It was 60 degrees. It was sunny. It was literally like zero wind. To where when you got the S1 or something like that out, you could put it exactly where you wanted because it was like flying it indoors or something. Yeah. And 
there were a good five of us that got out to fly and I flew, I flew almost nonstop to the point where I had to go, oh, am I letting other people fly or am I just doing this alone today? But, <laughs> uh, I flew, let's, I, I, I wrote this down. I flew six flights on my 700 Nitro, uh, six flights on my 580 Nitro. I probably got six flights on my 700 electric, my full size thing. And then I flew that little S1. Yes, like that. Kenny, uh, Kenny put the S1 up on the screen for us. Yeah, uh, to do that. <laughs> I, I flew my S1 in between that if someone else was flying. Um, that 580 Nitro, I've never had a, a, a 580 or 600 size Nitro. That thing is super confidence inspiring. And maybe it's because it doesn't move as fast, but I swear I was flying that thing harder than anything I've ever flown. I mean, doing things that I'm normally uncomfortable with also. Yeah, I think it's the blade size. You like go to do stuff and it's a little bit slower to react because you're used to the 700, you know, size blade grabbing so quick. It, but does a 600 size electric give you that same kind of comfort feel that a Nitro does on a 580 or 600? I feel like the the Nitro feels a lot smoother and slower on that size for sure. It's super comfortable. I was, I, I don't know. I was out of the field being a ridiculous person running around and there were only five of us out there and I was like running up and down. What is a flight line, our flight box that we take one person at a time flying at. So uh, I was also kind of excited to get out because I've been simming a lot and, and kind of dedicating some time to some circuits that I wasn't comfortable with. Uh, I've talked about that before. It was like a nose down clockwise upright circuit I, I wasn't comfortable with. Uh, I'd spent a lot of time on the sim doing that. And um, yeah, that it does work. Simming does work. So I think it'd be fun to talk about what sim is best. I, I've been changing up some different things on what I use. But by the end of the time that I was, I was out on the 30th, if you don't know what a waltz is, a waltz in an F3C maneuver is where you're doing uh, a funnel. And at each quarter, either the one o'clock, three o'clock, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock positions, you do another like mini funnel or a mini circle. And I was able to do those with the orientation that I'm not comfortable with. So that was, it was really cool to see the sim translating because That's sometimes awesome, I man. feel like sim doesn't translate. It was cool. Nice. So that was, uh, this, the 30th was Saturday and on Sunday it was really freaking cold. And I went out there by myself, uh, cause no what, one else really wanted really to go. What's really freaking cold down there? Yeah. Uh-huh. It was like 40. <laughs> that's cold that counts yeah i mean that's yeah that's borderline right there for sure i mean if wind's blowing in the 40s to me my fingers get slow and you need a bag and i don't have a transmitter bag yeah that's the 40 to 45 mm-hmm. is okay if there's no wind yeah Lee, that's cold that's what it's been here all week is 40 to 45 but it's been windy as all get out so windy yes whenever i was out by myself i thought i went out there specifically so scott talked about uh doing f3n competition I I had talked to him about it also. My wife hasn't given me the 100%. Yeah, that sounds good, honey, thing. But she, she did say, uh-huh. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. You, you're an idiot. And so I, I wanted to work on those maneuvers. And so I went specifically out, like, uh, wanting to do Piro loops or uh, wanting to do work on rolling circles in different orientations that maybe I'm not comfortable with doing. But my, our, our field in McKinney that we fly at is around a mountain bike trail. 
And so frequently there are bikers that stop and look or say something. And I found myself trying to entertain them rather than fly what I wanted to do. <laughs> like, like I was some ambassador for the hobby for these people who were not interested in it or something. You, <laughs> I would say you were. So why do we do that? I, like I'm showboating over here for no one. Like these guys don't even know what these things are. I know. Dude, I'm the same way. Watch my rolling globe. They're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Turn into Sergeant Twitchy Sticks all of a sudden and trying to do That's stuff. That's what it turned into. Done. Yeah. I was just turning into, <laughs> let's see how fast I can wear this battery out instead of doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, a normal d- hover or just, you know, some figure eight would have been great for them to see. First Dude, I get nervous. I know flustered. Scott said he's had the same feeling. Yeah, I get shaky. Like I don't shake in front of people that know what helicopters are. Like flying in front of people at fun flies. Who cares? But dude, God forbid some mom and a kid walks up to like the field when you're flying. Dude, all of a sudden I am freaking Kyle Stacy Jr. And I'm flying my freaking shorts off as hard as I can to try and like impress someone. And like, look what these things can do. What's really annoying about what you're saying, Scott, to me, is that I start doing that. And then you turn around at the end of the flight and they're not even there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) The performance of your life to try and like impress these like people. Nobody saw could, this. Yeah. Oh my God. Really annoying. Oh man. So I wasted all my time on Sunday by myself and didn't spend time with my family like I probably just should have done. And then my wife would have been happier when I said I wanted to go out next time with my buddies. But I wanted to talk about that. It's funny how we feel the need to show people how cool we are flying our toys. Most of the time, they're just amazed at how fast they go, you know, vertically and everything. I can't believe how much. Yeah, you do a big punch out. Directional change they can do. Yeah. How high does it go? (laughs) Is there a camera in that? (laughs) Yes. They're probably going, man, look what he can do with this. This guy has no life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get too close. And they're not wrong. So. um, I think a lot of kids think that they're just like, uh, a lot of kids, I, I think that they think that they're easier you know like video game thing but really it's you know it's a lot different than what they would assume yeah i think you're right well i I think think the question too like you know is that like a drone and it's like no you have to fly each control surface and that means absolutely nothing to them so i always just tell them there's no gps on it and it doesn't auto stabilize and they go oh (laughs) and then they walk (laughs) away anyway you have to use your hands (laughs) oh (laughs) back to the future oh yeah (laughs) yeah that's a baby's game. Oh man. My my favorite is when they ask you like, can you program different flips and like, you yeah. know, how many buttons do you have for different flips? I'm like, oh god. So they don't think what you're doing is I think they legitimately think you're faking it. Yeah, I'm just hitting switches and you know, like we joke about you download the patch for the, you know, Nick Maxwell software revision so you flip a switch and it does this flight. Yeah. And when you see people's hands on the sticks and you realize, you're like, oh my God, they're swirling these things everywhere to make it do this, you know? It is funny when you go to the plinker field or one of them comes over to watch you fly and you you kind of do the look over because you realize he's over your shoulder and he's just looking at your hands the whole time. He hasn't watched the machine at all. I find that I did hilarious. that joke the other day where you, you um like the planker flies and everybody's just ducking and hiding, you know? And then when, <laughs> when you fly at the planker field, like you hear the steady, slow clap, like, Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it just speeds up like everybody's clapping, like <laughs> the plankers are just all amazed. He saved it. 
<laughs> yeah. I almost crashed like Look at all those crashes times. combined into one flight. <laughs> yeah. He must have lost every servo and he still saved it. <laughs> so it's been kind of crappy here since the that day. And when I say crappy, like 30 mile an hour winds is what it feels like. And it's cold. And so I haven't been out. But my wife, dude, uh, I owe her. So I my room's a mess. I'm not an organizational person. Like when we did that video on, on Manny's toolbox, like I was really in awe because I could never do that. And she basically cleaned my room for me and organized it. She was in my room for more than three hours. Thanks, mom. Yeah. 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 Thanks, mom. And so we get done cleaning it up and I'm like, I'm enjoying the space, like standing in it, like I'm going to twirl around in it or something. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm sitting in the chair, looking at my wall and like admiring all my amazing achievements that I have. And she's rolling her eyes and I go, you know, now that I have all this space, I really, I want to build something new. Oh, she just gave you more room. Yeah. Except it was dead quiet. Like, like this. (laughs) My problem is if my my wife moves all that stuff, it's all where I didn't usually put it. So then I'm lost. Like, I don't know where anything goes. Uh, I was doing it with her. So. Oh yeah, it's all together. Aww. But so, did she mess up everything instantly when you said now there's room for a new one? No, 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 no. She goes. It sounds like you need to volunteer to build one for one of your friends that you build for. And Can you like, build yeah. me a dynamic? <laughs> yeah, I, I might, I might do that. It sounds fun. If I get to fly it for a little bit, um, yeah, a couple of years. So yesterday, for in a couple of years. <laughs> so yesterday, uh, a box shows up from gashelicopters.com and I have the new uh, Tron gas conversion that I'm going to build. I'm excited about it. Saw that. It looks cool. It does look cool. It looks super cool. So. When does when does the airframe arrive? I don't know. I don't have it yet. I ordered I, an engine because I don't have a spare engine either. And I'm going to break that in on a break-in stand and that'll take a little bit of time. So I have some time to kind of put some stuff together. Don't you just like hand that to Doug Darby at one of your lunches and he just brings it back broken in? It's not that easy, but um, yeah, he has to buy him lunch too. I have a deal for it. We'll uh, we'll spend some time doing some stuff together, so it'll be. It is not as simple as here, Doug. I'll call you in a week. No, just drop it off. Also, Doug is probably listening. So I love you, Doug Darby. <laughs> Now, Doug and I are super close, and him and I probably have lunch once a week, and I'll be hanging out with him. We plan on building it together. It'll be fun. No, I kid, but I, I knew he's got some kind of break-in stand. I wasn't sure if you literally just drop it off, and he would then break no, it in for he, you. No, C- Carrie Shirley makes those stands. You can order them from him. They've got a, like an airplane prop on them, and a you mount the engine, carbon all, and then there is a servo that actually oscillates and hits a target RPM, so it goes through the whole break, break-in process for you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It takes- It's very cool. A long, a lot of flying out, which I, w- I've flown in a couple of them, and it's actually a really good practice. You get your hover practice, whether it be upright or inverted, kind of pyro hovering. That's how I learned pyro hover was on a gasser breaking the engine in. Good practice. And so I learned patience. Yeah. Have you broken one in? Have you oh, flown yeah. a gasser engine in, Scott? In one day. Oh my god. Yeah. But you do get that good practice in doing it. I think. If you use yeah, we were that. playing like pass the transmitter. So I used this as an opportunity to like help other people. So yeah. I buddy boxed them on my helicopter. Oh. 
That's a and I was like, free hover time, whatever. What yeah. model did you have? The um, miniature aircraft whiplash, the V2. Well, it was a V1 that I converted to a V2 in steps as it fell apart. I think <laughs> the whiplash is the only one I haven't flown. Oh, man. The only whiplash I've ever flown is John Ciro's turbine whiplash. Ooh. And it is, it is cool, but flying a turbine 3D helicopter is intimidating if you don't keep it loaded and i like to unload it every once in a while and there's a huge freaking delay on turbine it's weird do you have your waiver of course i have my waiver (laughs) that he was holding for me in his hands (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you have to have a waiver on those to just fly someone else's machine while they're with you i don't know i can't imagine i mean i would think as long as the owner of the waiver is there yeah because otherwise how would you get your waiver if you weren't able to prove that you could fly like a jet or something yeah it's like learning to drive with a licensed driver in the passenger seat yeah that makes sense that's the rules now we don't even have to we'll look it up that. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. that's definitely the rules me. i looked it up just now while we were not looking it up <laughs> the pilot the original pilot has to hold the fire extinguisher while you get to test fly it he does i got a small story with him. speaking of miniature yeah, aircraft no. if i can so that whiplash, when I was breaking it in, I was doing some very mild aerobatics and it had the V1 skids, right? They were like the bolt on on the side. And I shit you not, I was doing a big inside loop. And at the very top of the loop, one of the skids just disconnected and it did the most graceful departure from the helicopter. No way. So just it, it left tangentially oh. away. And I was like, what is that? That's pretty. And it just left. And then I continued the yeah. loop and I was like, oh, oh no. I, I can't land. So we hovered like for another five minutes trying to figure out what the hell to do having a conversation. And we finally like regrouped on the idea that I was going to land it on the starter. And um, it worked. I got photos of it. I don't know no how way. it worked. Yeah, way. Um, and wow. immediately after that, I put SAB skids on it because I didn't want to ever have to do that again. <laughs> so I have a question, Scott. Sure. Do you clean your bolts before you put your machine together? Oh my god, no. No one has time for that. I don't either. Yeah. Oh, Use the right I have a confession. Tight. I have a That's confession about this. Fall off. Uh-oh. The oh, dynamic that I just built, I finally said, you know what? I'm so tired of listening to people tell me how they don't clean their bolts. I'm going to build one kit where I don't clean my bolts. And so mm. the dynamic is built with 243 all around, wow. and I didn't clean a thing other than a few key bolts, like spindle Make bolts. Sure the shiniest non-rusted video. bolts on that kit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, and what you said, there's like certain key bolts I'll do it to. So I'll and I won't like douse in alcohol. I'll just take it. I'll rub it on a rag, and that's it. Yep. Just twist it on a paper towel a couple times, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. The only ones I wipe off are the ones going into like the feathering shafts, you know, because they're usually really greasy. Yeah, I'll take yeah. them and run them through like a, a towel, you know, just to get it out of there. But then I also put the Loctite inside the feathering shaft and on the bolt, so that there's no chance there's a problem anyway. Yeah, I think if you don't build that many machines a year. And building a machine is like this sacred ritual to you, which that could be a thing. I could see cleaning bolts fun. Like this is part of the process and I enjoy this build process. But if you build a lot of machines or you crash a lot, that's not fun. Yeah. It's too much work. (laughs) No, it's not fun. But we'll see. If the dynamic falls apart, I'm going to come for all of you. (laughs) It'll be Bring the Loctite with you to the field. That's it. I just check my bolts every once in a while on a maiden, you know, yeah, for the first I'll two, always, and that's no. it. 
Well, almost. If you torque them right as well, it's not a problem. Because uh, I mean, a lot of the reason a bolt either comes out or not is due to clamp force as well. If you're not screwing them in adequately, or you know, you're stretching the shit out of them, snapping them, don't do that. But if you torque it right and use two forty three, they don't come out. Do you yeah, torque it you enough that if it's on a painted boom, the paint chips? No, sir. <laughs> Biggest thing is catching it between flights. Just looking at all the little, you know, like the tail slider. Look closely at the bottom bolts that hold the the balls on that might fall off on the tail rod and things like that. People forget are on the swash, you know? Yeah. Those are the ones that usually get you or on the blade grips. Just check them a lot for first four or five flights. Yeah. Everything on the tail of the dynamic is like uh lock nuts. Yeah. 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 yeah so you don't have pretty, to worry about at least the very grips cool. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, 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 someone's going to freak out, but I didn't even take my shit apart when I built my kit, the whole tail assembly just bolted on. No, you had what? to at least take it apart and put grease on the freaking Nope. Trust bearings. Nope. I drip some oil in it and call it good. No way. Wow. Yeah way. Yeah way. All right. So that's how you build a model in five hours. <laughs> yeah, on the Tron, I mean, you really just gotta lock tight the the grub screws and stuff on that one. Yeah, I did the grub screw and the the what do you call it? The little tail gear thing. Jesus, the the pinion. What do you call that? Yeah. There's like a little spacer uh, yes, washer too. That. The tail drive gear. That's not a the gear though, screw. but whatever. Yeah, do the two set screws on either side, call it good, and everything else was fine. Well, I guess when you only fly your machines for a week before you bury them, you can just do that. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I, I knew it I was I would have washed all the oil out with the sink anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That, that, one, that one was coming. Yeah. Honestly, those booms, did you try bending that boom? Bending it's it back. strong, isn't it? No, when you try and bend it back. I mean, on the folded yeah, part, broken. no, but I mean, now that you can yeah. play with it, try bending the hexagon. You know, it's pretty, pretty stiff, actually. Yeah, definitely. Not stiff enough. All right, that wraps that up for the uh, Rotor Recaps there. Let's, uh, let's get into some news. And now, with all the news from inside the RC helicopter hobby, we bring you the Rota Report. All right, Scott, since you're here, right. we're going to put your ass to work. All right, let's do it. What do you got? So, new announcement from YGE. They have a new ESC in the Aorus. Aorus? Or how do you say that? Areas? Areola? Areas? Areola. The <laughs> Areola line. That's where it's I see a, it. I like that. It's <laughs> not Areola. Really Aorus. The, the Areola has a um, 105 amp HV ESC with telemetry. So I think that's down in the range of where you get telemetry on Hobbywing as well. So I think 80 is the smallest for Hobbywing. So that's cool. We can start to get full telemetry and integration in smaller helis. That is cool. Yeah. yeah so that's 6S to 12S. Um, so awesome contender for kind of low head speed setups as well. Maybe a uh, 600. I don't know if I'd go full 700, maybe scale. Um, yeah, but right. totally on a 580, uh, low head speed 600 or something. I think that would knock it out of the part all the time. Um, you know, on a setup where you don't really need all the amps. Um, but they are in stock at your local YGE dealer, um, at a somewhat premium price of $399 and 99 cents. Compared to its closest competitor, the Hobbywing 130 at 
They're still what? that's more, but YGE's always a little bit more, but they are nice. They are really I nice. I think it's a it's an awesome stepping stone between um like hobby wings of the world and scorpions and contronic. Like obviously contronic's the Mac Daddy top top right. dog. This is like I can't quite afford one, but I want better quality sort of thing. It's a great intermediate brand. Yeah. I like right YGE's. I do too. All right. In other news, and this one came in, I don't even know if you guys have seen it yet, because it came in literally minutes before we pressed record on the podcast here. Mikado has announced the re-release of the V-Control Touch, and it's available now in a combo kit that includes one standard Neo V-Bar. So not the Neo Evo, but a Neo V-Bar. For... I thought those were discontinued. Uh, well, apparently you can buy it with the Touch. Maybe they're saving the inventory for the combos. But it comes with one standard Neo for $1,149.99. So for back ordered. Well, it it is in pre-order state right now. But for oh, okay. I mean, the key here is not that it's not available yet. It's not that we don't know when it ships yet. Uh it's that the gateway into V control has the bar's gotten a little lower, right? So now you get a radio and, and a Neo for eleven fifty versus what is it, 1300 for a radio plus another two something for the Neo? So from 1500 ish to 1150 to get, you know, into the, into the system. Oh, they lowered the price of the touch too. It's 999. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's more okay. attainable to get an actual touch radio, which is cool. That's cool. I didn't know. There's, okay. Yeah. There's more to that too. I don't, are you going to touch on the receivers is, yeah. as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they announced uh, two sort of basic receivers there's a nine channel for 120 us and a seven channel for 110 dollars us no release date on any of this stuff uh, but it looks like they're all available for pre-order in the us at mikado usa or uh, at your local mikado dealer i saw also they have the um the v control the rx satellites um he's they're saying they're back in stock too for some people that yeah. are still looking for those oh you know, those I have for stuff. that's cool yeah they were like two years or even three years, you couldn't get them. Yeah, yeah. He just announced that like an hour ago or a couple hours ago, maybe. So cool. So That's hopefully the stuff I like uh, to see. there'll be stock. I mean, what, it, what would be really awesome to see is stock that says in stock all the time. It feels like they get a shipment. It's gone. A shipment. It's gone. A shipment. It's gone. So I don't uh, know if that's good or bad. Does that mean they're getting small shipments or that there's such a freaking demand for this right now that they just can't keep enough of them on the shelf and that the hobby is growing and that's amazing. It's a very good question. I don't. It seems like there's a lot when they order it, but I think it gets split, you know, between the continents, so it kind of shrinks down for them too much, you know. Maybe so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess there's a balance in there somewhere. So hopefully, uh, we see more more products soon. All right, Alex. Speaking of Mikado, uh, what do you got? Man, they had this really cool update they did. If you click on the news button on your radio, which is the little bell. And if you have that alert come on, it just lets you know anytime you're flying that there's a random thing to tell you. And uh, <laughs> this annoying. news, this update was really cool. So I'm going to read it from the screen for you. It said, over the time, some issues come up that sometimes are already in since long time. And sometimes they appear only extremely rare. That's what we fixed here. We wish you a happy new year and a lot of fun in the new year. Is it me, or did Mikado hire the guy a line fired who was writing <laughs> line, their advertising yeah. copy? 
<laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, um, I'm glad they wrote it that way because it's the best way to do things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a special update. I'm sure that's a German to English translation, but uh, I read yeah. that at the field with my friends, and we laughed long hard times. Long hard times. <laughs> wow, oh, that's awesome! Thank so, you, Mikado. Well, hang on. I went on their site because uh, I was curious about that, and I grabbed their latest post because it was only in German. Uh, uh, yeah. But it looks like they fixed the um, the stick click. Well, not fix it, but they have additional options for stick click. That little center collective point. Oh. Um. They make it easier for switching between uh, screenshots of a radio and trim for some reason. I'm not sure what that means. Mm. Um, oh, you can map screenshot to a trim is what they've done instead of a switch. And then they say sometimes the image that you choose for okay. your helicopter doesn't always show up correctly all the time. That is now corrected. Uh, they corrected the battery algorithm for the Evo touch and corrected English language and the radio. That's comical. <laughs> Isn't it considering the <laughs> message he sent out? They added those new words. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, and then a quote: "Super rarely occurring sensor error message that actually isn't fixed on the Evo V bar." <laughs> so oh uh, they just uh, they just said they haven't fixed the problem. Cool. Okay. And then V bar Evo fixed blinking on external receivers and safer USB handling in conjunction with the PC software. What do they mean safer? I've never had a problem with the PC software. Apparently it's dangerous, so be careful. No sparks. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I've had a couple people have issues uh, where they info. plug I'm it in. You that up. USB. Yeah, they plug it in and it does not go into like USB mode and it just starts blinking white quick. I haven't figured out how to help people with that yet, so maybe that's what they're talking about. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Kenny, over okay. to you. Okay, yep. Yeah, Frank Lee of Goose Guy has uh, let out of Facebook that the uh, RS7 will likely have an optional front jaw type piece. Uh, for those that don't care about the open front look, seems to be an issue for some. There's no photos or details yet, but that's in the works, I guess, to be similar, like how the um, Rawl or the Puma is where you can pull the front down if you don't want the open look where your battery tray is. Um, and also, speaking of Goose Guy, they have a thread on their Facebook page right now asking for suggestions for new products, enhancements, things they can do better. And so if you want to help, definitely consider applying to that thread. Nice. I also, uh, another thing I saw with the RS7, it appears that it'll, should be in stock somewhere around early February. So probably three weeks or something like that from now, from our record date. Yep. I'm excited. Although part of me is also considering canceling my pre-order that the dynamic has scratched that itch, and maybe I should just, I don't need another heli. Oh, man. Insert freaking episode four at one minute and 49 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. He'll probably find another ESC motor servo combo laying around. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a great excuse. It is. It's in the logo Bye. right now. Yeah. did I, I found a, a, some servos and an ESC actually recently, too. Um, it was sitting on the customer pickup shelf at A-Main in Charlotte. I had no idea. Oh, oh yeah. that's dangerous. I couldn't live there. <laughs> danger. Danger. That's funny. Uh, it's true, too. Right sitting on. there right now. Speaking of ESCs, Scott, I hear there's uh, some new stuff brewing its hobby wing. Yeah. So you can tell your ESC what to do in style. Ooh. So 
Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with that little program card, the little LCD box with the four buttons. You click your way through your menus and program your ESC that way, right? So yep. the other option you could do is a little Bluetooth OTA or over-the-air updater. Also a great unit. I use that all the time in the field to upgrade firmware because nine times out of ten, I've got someone that's like, you know, I bought a bought a hobby wing and uh, I can't get the V-bar telemetry to work. And you ask, did you upgrade your firmware on the, the hobby wing? And they go, the what? Yeah. <laughs> so you either got to lug a laptop with you everywhere and the program card, or you can just carry this little OTA Bluetooth with you and plug that in and do it on your phone. I didn't know well, that was now, thing. Oh, yeah, it's great. But yeah. this is better. So this new unit, they call it the uh, the Pro. Um, it's the LCD Program Box Pro. And what it is, is it gives you a really nice big LCD screen uh, in order to do your programming, just like the previous card. Um, except you can use a spin wheel, like a little click wheel, to zoom through the menus and do all the changes you want. You could save the settings onto the device. So if you have an ESC setup you want to transfer to all your 700s, it's a matter of copy and paste now. Awesome. And then it has the OTA unit built in. So you can do firmware That's updates through your phone through that cool. box. It's so cool. I'm buying one immediately. I think they're on pre-order right now. Is for this like the Tunalizer? Is that what it's called? The Tunalizer? It's definitely not the Tunalizer. What is it's the Tunalizer? It's the uh, Hobby, Wing, Hobby Wing Program LCD, I think. LCD Program Box Pro. Yeah, there it is. Yes, thirty nine thirty two right now uh, for pre order. Oh yeah, the tunalizer was like two hundred bucks. So, oh geez, thing. what does that do? Yeah, I don't know. Does that new programming box um, is it still USB updatable or is it like wireless or how does it work? It's also USB updatable, so it's everything that both those devices do. It's the old card and it's the OTA Bluetooth adapter in one container with a nice big screen and new software. And then instead of clicking through the menu with one button, you get a nice. cool little scroll wheel. And then the functionality where you can back up and load ESC parameters, which is super cool. So nice. I didn't know about the OTA programmer. Oh, they're so cool. They're little little boxes, little small one by one inch by a quarter inch boxes that are Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Okay. Are you saying like is. you can save profiles in there and load them? Not just, yeah, profiles. So you can export your profile in your ESC and load it to another ESC which I don't think you could do with the old box. Exciting. I'm glad they're making new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool to see, for sure. And then, Kenny, also on the Hobby Wings side of things, uh, what did you see this week? Also on Hobby Wings, uh, saw a notable thread this week about calibrating your throttle endpoints with the ESC. And uh, from what I saw on everybody going back and forth, you know, it's some people do program there, some people just go ahead and fly it. Um, what do you guys think? I think people can't read <laughs> that thread specifically said only respond if you know <laughs> a definite answer. And that is full of everybody guessing. I didn't comment on it cause I didn't know the answer. Yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> I know on the, the tribunus and them, I usually do the endpoints, but I know a few hobby wings I've had. I just went ahead and plugged them in and it worked right. And I'm like, okay, I'll just leave it at that for now. It's like when you ask if someone has has mo both models, how does it go? And all the re people respond with, "I only have the one, and it's great." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks. I was thanks for that in depth review. Which one I should I get? Hobby Wings I a little more yeah. forgiving too. Yeah, but like we got to get the Hobby the Wing to this. in. You know, usually you can just figure out what it is. It. I think it's a little bit more in depth too because 
I am one of those people that programs endpoints constantly until I came up against a Hobbywing 260, the brand new one. I cannot get those to program endpoints with VBAR, hmm. no matter what I do. I tried in Springfling, uh, not Springfling, uh, Winter Bash, literally on three different units. And I tried it both on, you know, governor mode and Hobbywing, uh, uh, governor mode, not Hobbywing, governor mode, VBAR gov and Hobbywing gov back and forth, trying to just program these endpoints with different ways to boot up and set the throttle. And it just would not do anything on a 260. So my, huh. I started leaning towards the direction that maybe it's not required anymore, but maybe, yeah, want, maybe it doesn't need it. Yeah. I want the answer though. Cause this is really interesting. I can tell you that on what... my 500, sorry. Uh, I can't get the endpoints to program on my hobby wing. It's like a 120 that's on that thing. And I have to have my head speed. I'm using the Hobbywing governor and I've got my output to like 95 to get there. But I can tell you that that's not really 95%. Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering if it's like a VBAR integration thing or if it's like if you take that 260 and plug it into a standard, uh, any receiver, you know, like Futaba or something, is it going to still just recognize full throttle and low throttle and, and it's doing it inside the Hobbywing maybe? I got a question for you, Alex. Is this not doing it on your 120 uh, post gimbal replacement or pre gimbal replacement? pre okay have you tried it after no i would calibrate your sticks and try it after and see because i swear the 120 does it well i'll do that but i fried my 120 by leaving it plugged into my neo and then plugging a 2s pack into the neo anyway and backfed to the dec and fried it, it blew the so back I'm waiting oh, for man. one to come in uh, you had one job yeah i said i should remember this for the future but i'll probably do the same thing again in like two years because i forgot <laughs> All right, Kenny, I hear we got some new models in the sim. What do we got? Yeah, on HeliX Simulator, they've been adding new models lately, and it looks like they get a Tron 5.5 as well as the Tron 7.0 and also the Spectre V2 uh, World Championship Edition, the Kinniko Edition is included right in there also. Right on. All right, Brian, we haven't heard from you in a little while. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, this was going to be part of, uh, I guess, my update as well about this Align TB40, right? So, um, hot little helicopter right now, but uh, again, the first batch of those went really quick. So, um, I guess myself, along with others, got on the, uh, the, the, the back order bandwagon for the second batch, and those are starting to trickle in now. So folks are starting to post that they've received theirs. I haven't received mine yet, so I'm still waiting, hopefully this week. But, uh, but more expected to, uh, to come out, uh, I guess, as like a third batch or so by the end of the month. So keep your eyes open for your favorite retailer to have them available for you to purchase. But it's a hot little bird. Everyone's loving it. Thanks to you, Nick, and some of the others in the community that have been posting some of their build pictures and videos and giving good tips. Uh, about how to handle, uh, I guess, the tail thrust bearings are really tight that everyone's uh, talking about. Yeah. Was that your experience with that? Yeah, I, I had a hell of a time uh, getting them out, like just to get them out and grease them and make sure all the bearings were stacked correctly uh, in both the main grips and the tail grips. But, you know, with some little heat gun on the, on the grip itself and then sort of pushing them out from the backside with the driver, I got them all out. But uh, it was yeah. definitely tight in there. Well, that's good, man. But, but again, it was just good tips that you guys posted. So I'm looking forward to building it. Can't wait. It's a fun build. Yep. All right. So it's time to get a little angry. But uh, 
we actually had a little bit of a, a, a some competition for the Rotor Rage segment this week. So you're going to hear from two different folks here, uh, one of which is uh, is joining us uh, remotely, and uh, we're going to hear kind of their opinions on the issue. So with that, it's time for some Rotor Rage. <laughs> All right. First up on Rotor Rage this week, let's hear from our friend and remote reporter, Mr. Cliff Lewis. Hey, Nick, and the rest of you guys over there at Rotor Revolution Podcast. You guys are coming together good, sounding pretty good. Um, hey, this is Cliff. Hey, I'm glad you guys let me get in touch with you. We've got a few things that are actually just one thing that's kind of really on my mind here. You see everybody taking off their plastic screen protectors from their transmitters, from their NEOs, from everything they can find to get their hands on. They're taking their plastic screen protectors off. They're not thinking good. They need to leave these things on. There's, there's, there's tons of reasons. Just a few. Okay. People like to sell stuff, to buy new stuff. If I'm going to buy something, I want my new transmitter new to me, to still have my plastic screen protector on there. That way I know it hadn't been scratched up and abused and had everybody touching it and fingering all over it. Uh, static electricity negation? I mean, if you peel that sticker off, you're going to let all the static out of your transmitter, and then things ain't going to work right, like you're going to wonder smoke. what's up with that. Come <laughs> on, guys. Also, I don't know if you've seen the Treadway Tool Shop video or not. You know, if you happen to have your helicopter sitting there and you're working on it on the counter and you spill your beer... Uh, you, you, you pour some nitro on it. Um, your screen's protected. Otherwise, everything's just going to get in there and get it all junked up. Come on, guys. You got to think about this a little bit. I mean, don't make me be the smart one out here. Okay. Keep the plastic screen protectors on. <laughs> I used to oh, like them. Screen. That was so good. <laughs> no, wow. Cliff's terrible. That, with the opposing oh. viewpoint, we've got our very own Mr. Brian Birdsong. Cliff, my friend, I'm the anti-rage this week because I actually love removing that pesky little film that's on it. And I'm glad I got my buddy Scott here to back me up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the movement that Scott started by posting videos of folks removing that film. You know, it's so cool. It's so satisfying. I get this euphoric feeling when I see that stuff just peeled right off. I know, you know, look at the look at the whole film removing revolution that Scott started. Yeah. I mean, everyone's posting their videos on removing it. So I love it. I mean, I say remove the film, remove the film, get rid of the film. Yeah, peel and, you your know, shit off. You all look preserving homeless. it for its resale value. That's why you purchased the, like, the official screen protector that go on that. Not this film. Isn't it Scott, glass? Isn't the V-Bar screen glass? Yeah, it's some kind of glass. Yeah. So, I don't know. The only thing that really scratches that is like sand and diamond and certain really hard metals. Like, come on. I think I think the best removal thing that I've seen so far is that is that there is film on top of the Goose Guy logo on top of the box they come in. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I was so that excited when I found that. that. I, I, I wish like, I could have no pulled way. that one off more than, more than once. <laughs> it is very satisfying. There's ways that can be done, right? <laughs> yeah, but I don't like to super glue the film back on. It's not fun. <laughs> no, you just order another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just order. It's like a habit. You're like, I need a film fix. Uh, oh, you should see me at car meets with all these kids with their vinyl wraps. 
Oh no! Oh my gosh! <laughs> Start yelling at me! Again. Run quick! Do you do that? Do you He's walk around the cars apart? Like, yeah. Oh my gosh! It's like, hey, dude, dude you forgot to unwrap your Just teach your, your son car. to do it, and then you've got like an alibi. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to open your car. <laughs> my father-in-law got a new car yeah, about like six a... months ago, and I was in it, and I realized everything still had the film on it. And I was sitting in the wow. front seat, and I didn't want to be mean, so I just took pictures of all of it and circled it on my phone, and then sent it to my wife, like. Look at all this film that's still in here. <laughs> it just looks nice. so cheap. Oh, well, speaking of film euphoria, transitioning over to the Rotor Replay this week. Our very own Kenny Hutton uh, is going to be featured on the Rotor Replay this week. Kenny, you, uh, you put a video up on Facebook this week uh, that really kind of did a great job of capturing everything that came out of the the RC Heli Hangout Facebook group this year. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that video? Yeah, it started, I mean, probably a few weeks before when we were down in Florida. I got Scott. He was out there helping somebody on the flight line in the center stage. He wasn't paying attention. And I saw his transmitter uh, case was still on the ground, sitting down there zipped up in the morning. So I'm like, hmm. So I grabbed a piece of film that I had and stuck it back on his transmitter. And if you guys saw the video online, he found it later on and peeled it back <laughs> off. This dude just good. like leaves home with extra film. I might need I, this yeah. later. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a premeditated film. <laughs> so yeah, after that, I was like, hmm, I got to find a way to um, do something about this and just put the film back on all these electronic devices that everybody has defaced. <laughs> So I went back and grabbed a few videos and then and and took and reversed them so that they're actually <laughs> installing the film back on their chargers, transmitters, and the goose guy box even. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And then no, added some sad, either. you know, really sad music to it. <laughs> the best part of the video was at the end when you have Scott Scott waving goodbye with his hand gesture that you were like backward and forwarding yeah. replay yeah, his hand was actually like going back and forth saying the first thing you do and then it actually reversed he was waving by to it <laughs> yeah never touch it again that's why it's dead to me it was great i love that you took like hours of your life to make this thing <laughs> yeah. it had to be, someone had to do it right yeah, it was nice i don't mind the film like i if it's not impeding you know using it and it's not bubbled yet i'll leave it on there for a bit but if it's as soon as it gets bubbles or looks bad, it usually comes off, you know, or it's, but I'm with Cliff too. Like I've had some transmitters I've had for just a year and I turned around and sold them to somebody and they're kind of happy that they got one that was still not scratched or scuffed too, which is some kind of a, I mean, you don't keep everything you have, you know, for years, I guess, unless you're planning on it, but sometimes I just do it anyway. You leave it on there, you know? No. It's like, I well, don't I don't know. have that hard, hard reflect, uh, protector yet so i'll just leave it there until i get either a hard protector or no nope. peel it when it's i don't know up. don't know what you're talking about yep do you peel got it. film i need to peel peel it, back it. On? <laughs> there's none in my house <laughs> saran wrap <laughs> saran. all right let's uh i have a p i have the isdt charger sitting here that's like two and a half years old and it still has the film on it <laughs> It's one I don't use much. It just sits around. You know, I use it in the garage sometimes to charge, and it still has the film. Uh, my ISDT X16 that I have, I took the film off right away, and it's kind of banged up now, and I found myself scratching at it, like trying to remove the film that wasn't there. Plus, <laughs> you're removing the screen. <laughs> yes. That's great. Oh. All right, enough about film. Moving on. 
So we're going to talk about the S1 and do a, a product review on it. So we wanted to talk about another rotor replay. And I was at uh, a recent event with Ben Storick, and I basically challenged him. He was like, I can do anything with this thing. And I went, no, you can't. You're talking about the Goose Guy S1. And I, got, I had been working on a time machine. And if you don't know what a time machine is, a time machine is a maneuver where you do a 12-point tick-tock skids in. So you start with uh, the nose pointed up at like 1 o'clock, uh, and you go 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock doing a tick-tock, but it's stopping at each, each time. And then you turn it around, skids in, and do it again in the same direction, but it makes it look, you like counted time one way, and then when you skids in, it like reverses time. So I, tell, I told him, hey, you can't do a time machine with this thing, and he went out there and did one. So I have a video of him doing a time machine which is ridiculously hard maneuver and he does it on a micro so if you're interested in seeing that it's impressive and we'll put a link it's on my youtube channel but we'll put it a link in the in the description awesome. yeah with such a small heli that tail you need a lot of tail control for those diagonal angles you know to hold them. well we'll talk about the s1 but it has the control yeah right on that's awesome the video is definitely one you don't want to miss it's uh it's it's something to see uh, all right, yeah. let's uh, wrap things up quickly with some event news and then uh, dig into the S1. So, Brian, what you got? All right. So, in event news, uh, we're starting to see a lot of folks post up their dates for 2024. Um, we have a few uh, notable ones to mention that have come through. I'll start with uh, the Sonomish Funfly in Washington State. Snomish, isn't it? Did I say it right? Is it Sonomish or Sonomish? I think it's Snohomish. Sonomish. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So Sonomish Funfly in Washington State uh, will be held August 22nd through the 25th. Um, you can uh, attend this one. They have some awesome pilots that will be flying here up in the Pacific Northwest. We have Marco Sazi. Um, Augie Copter, of course, and many others, including Mr. Nick Maxwell, who will make a super guest appearance there. Um, this one is hosted by the Cascade Model Helicopter Club and will feature some night flying. And they have RV parking, which is available, but without the hookups. So make sure your RV is kind of self-sustaining there. Um, it's a beautiful field with a gorgeous mountain range in the background. So be sure to check it out. All right. Next up after that is the Full Pitch Funfly. That uh, is in Sandhurst in the UK near Gloucester. Uh, it has uh, also announced their dates. Uh, that'll be happening July 5th through the 7th. And they seem to be thrilled to tell us that the toilets will be delivered on Thursday on the second line of the announcement, which I thought was funny. But basically, they're saying that, you know, they come Thursday so you can follow them. Uh, feel free to arrive then on the Thursday. Sounds like they have a giant diesel generator on site, putting out all the 240 volt power a man could want to charge all his batteries and then some. Uh, they do have a Facebook event page you can find by searching for the full pitch Funfly. Uh, also coming up soon is uh, the Magical Spring Fling. And I say it's magical because it is a, a really wonderful event. Lots of uh, amazing flying and great people there. Get to uh, see all is, your princesses, right? You can see all your princesses. <laughs> <laughs> it's in uh, it's in Fredericksburg, Virginia, so a little bit south of the D.C. area, and it is uh, May second through the fifth this year. So put that one on your calendar. That is a must go. The flying site's really cool. 
and if things go as they have been, there's some some cool extras with skydiving, people coming in and, and stuff like that. I also want to include the uh, Ken Marshall Ranch Heli Beaters Fun Fly has changed their dates. Uh, they usually uh, host this in February, but it, it's just been too cold. It's in Northern California outside of uh, San Francisco in Livermore, California at Ken Marshall's Ranch. And that is going to be April 18th through the 21st. And that is another event that if you can make two is really, really special flying site is really cool. Uh, the scenery there is also amazing. You can kind of drive through the mountains and see, see part of California. And if you are into bringing your wife and doing the vacation thing, like I have been doing, uh, there's some great wine areas there as well. My wife likes to go to the wineries and then come back to the fun fly and hit them both back up. So another great event. Don't miss it either. Awesome. So lots of folks starting to send us in their fun fly dates. Uh, if you have information about a fun fly you'd like us to share on the air, or better yet, uh, work with us to get a little bit of audio of you telling us about your fun fly, you can hit uh, me up at nick at rotorrevolution.live via email uh, at any point. And that is all we have for the news this week. Hey, all you listeners at Rotor Revolution, this is Joe Cashwell with Rotorcraft RC. We hope you guys are enjoying the hobby. We love this family. Keeping you a charge. All right. It's time to dig into our main topic. Main topic? Let's try that again. All right. It's time to dig into no our homish. main topic. No homish. Main topic. No homish. It's no homish. Your main tonic. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Not time. to be edited. Oh. I no. can't make that promise. <laughs> no, we're leaving no that in for reals. All right. It's the Goose Guy S1 micro helicopter review. So this is our first model review. We're probably going to like learn a bunch of ways to do it better after sitting through it today. So we're going to do our best to get through this one. We're trying to create a format that kind of gives you an overall solid picture of the helicopter. So if you pick up anything along the way we can do better, feel free to let us know. Uh, but with that, let's... Uh, Let's go ahead and dig into it. So let's just cover the basics. Uh, who can tell me a little bit just about the helicopter, the size, uh, and the level of completion it arrives? Well, first off, Nick, it's a really amazing machine because the first thing you get to do is peel off some film from the box that it comes in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back there, back there again. My boxes still have the film on them. And that's it, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Buy it. And that's it. There you go. You at least get the peel film, yeah. I think that opening one of these small helicopters is kind of exciting because it's packaged in a model that's already built. And so you open the box and there's a built helicopter. It's not like what you were used to where you get a bag, bag of parts. To mm. Amen. You imagine a so 700 in a foam box like that pre-built? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. That's kind of neat. Would that be uh, neat think or would about that, that be terrifying? Be weird. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of like, even if it was built right, I think I'd still like to, you know, the, the fun of building is there too, you know? So pre-built would be like eh, i don't know building more fun, fun to build it i think i don't want to build a small helicopter that, like this though yeah that that doesn't bother me either because they're so pool. small it's pre-built's yeah, nice for that it, well, it the is packaging nice of this thing is really good though you open it and i leave mine in that film box it travels everywhere in that thing that it comes in it's you flip it open and pull it out it's easy. those phone boxes oh, are great man. so it comes on this durable foam box and literally 
when I take one of these with me, when I travel, I just throw it in my suitcase with my clothes and it holds yeah. up great. Mine rides around in the trunk of my car at all times. Um, but the model we're talking about, the Goose Guy S1, is a 150 millimeter blade micro helicopter. So it comes ready to fly. So you open the box and it's it's good to go. You can buy it uh, in two different configurations. One comes with a, an inexpensive plastic, not super great to be honest, transmitter uh, that's pre-bound to the helicopter. And that one, you literally charge a battery and go fly. Or it comes in the ready-to-fly version that has an onboard uh, receiver. Uh, if you have a radio that can speak SFHSS yeah, Futaba protocol, uh, or AK Futaba, yeah, or there's a, a uh, receiver input so you can plug in your own satellite receiver for you know Spectrum uh, or others. So works great with you know Radio Master, FR Sky, um, Spectrum with external receiver. Lots of there are some I saw so there are some micro DSMX satellites if you search around too that you can put in uh, a lead on them you know to solder a lead on there and they're they're tiny like seven or eight millimeters each way they're really very small I was gonna say that's what I do I have a little FR sky receiver in mind this tiny little thing that uh, goose guy actually sells a packet of uh, adapters for receivers so you buy the little wiring lead with the tiny connector on one end and then you just solder the wires to uh, your receiver it's a good idea. But make sure whatever one you pick has either auto bind or has a bind button on it. Because I went and used a regular Spectrum satellite on my first S1. And I had to do some tomfoolery to get it to bind because it didn't have any sort oh, of yeah, like bind feature. You have to go through like feature. a separate receiver or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did yep. that on the OMP before, I think. I didn't go with the, that for those For those of the people that are buying that and maybe have had this problem, you want to describe what that procedure is? Um, you just have to find either if you have an airplane receiver or any other receiver with a bind plug, you have to put the satellite on there. Um, doesn't matter what port, you know, you're just binding it to the, that frequency, that, that selected model. So you just put the bind plug in, bind it. And then once you remove it, the spectrum satellites keep the bind so you can put them on anything at that point and it works. So you just plug it back into your S1 and you're good to go as soon as you power it up. I think in a pinch too, you can use an icon because it can force spectrum sats into bind mode too. Uh, so what do you get in the box? So you get the helicopter. It comes with one battery generally. Mm -hmm. Anything else? You mentioned the radio that I feel like is polarizing. People either are pretty happy with it or they really hate it. I, I was in the camp of, I really dislike this thing. And I was at the field recently talking about how my disdain for this radio that it comes with. And someone else there was telling me about how much they like it and they think it's pretty good. So I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, a, no, it's thirty dollars. It's a little odd. I don't care. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it I think suck. if your hands, if you have small hands, you might be more in, you know, like more likely to like that because it's kind of a smaller transmitter. So hear uh, me out. If you buy it, it it does work and it flies with it. It's not neutered in any way per se. You can still get three D rates with it. But if you take it with you and TSA decides to sit their Labrador on your suitcase and destroy everything in it. You didn't lose an expensive mm. radio. You just yeah, the lost this like it's portable. Yeah, yeah, That's it's true. a great like travel radio. It's small and it's cheap. If you break it, I don't care. You know, it's That's definitely the selling an easy point option for me. if you don't have anything to take for travel. I actually I went with that. a. Um, I found one called an XK X6, which goes with a, I think Nick said what was that model? 
Oh, had, like the XK. There's a whole bunch of XK series helicopters, like K110. Yeah, they have a few transmitters, and all those transmitters bind with the S-FHSS uh, protocol. So I got one of those, and you know, it just takes six AA's, and it works pretty good. It's got a lit-up screen, has all your functions you need. You can actually use the LCD to program um, your pitch curve, throttle curve, everything like a nicer transmitter has comes with aluminum sticks um the the actual gimbals have have real ball bearings on them and it's 40 dollars. it was hard to beat and it, that's what i've been using to fly it with because it's actually a full-size transmitter too so that's another option if you find one of those they're inexpensive the same kind of thing if you lose it you're not going to be out too much or worried about it to me the first time i flew one of these i was just so blown away because i'd only the last time i flew a small helicopter was an mcpx v2 which was the brushless version. And it, that thing was fine, but these are just miles beyond that. Not just in power, but stability. And the fly barless unit's actually very good. It flies amazing. So yeah. this is not all the they pulled that off. I don't yeah. know. It's not hype It though, flies right? better than the two. Like the, I had an M2 and the Logo 200 and the S1 freaking flies more stable and more predictably than that. And the tail holds so well. The problem I have with it, though, is, yeah, I agree with you. The flight dynamics are better, but I'd rather fly, personally, the S2. And I haven't, I haven't flown an M2 or a Logo 200 in a long time, but the S2 is visible. And this S1 is so powerful and so fast, it disappears. Yep. It's funny you mentioned that. I may or may not have destroyed mine on Sunday because of that very reason. So in bank three high head speed, I was absolutely just whipping around, having a good time. And I may or may not have forgotten its size. And I did this big old, like 700 size hurricane in the field. Yeah. And I shit you not, everybody at the field at the same time went, where'd it go? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Because it moves that fast. Oh God, it did. And it just disappeared in the tree line. Like no one could see it. And everyone was like, oh shit. So I I hit hold like immediately because I was like, "Uh oh, I lost it. And then like all of a sudden you just see it go like up in the air and then just destroy itself into the ground. I snapped this thing in half. Normally it so crashes well. So did you get well. it like back I, to where it was visible before wow. you hit the ground? Yeah, yeah. It just popped up at the last second, but I had already hit hold and obviously oh, there's nothing left in late. the rotor. So we just saw it like flutter through the air and hit the ground. So, but I, I was trying to work f- on hard maneuvers. Like I was doing a rolling circle with it, but yeah. It's too fast and it it gets halfway across the field and you go, I can't see it and bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is small. It's so fun. I started doing small. some of those in my backyard. I was working on like basic hovering stuff with it and I was trying to do weird orientations that I didn't normally do like 45s yeah. and stuff and odd like nose down skids in stuff to kind of really yeah. mess with my head because you can hit the ground with it numerous times and it doesn't really break. If you hit no, hold really on amazing. grass, it's good. It's only Definitely when you drive in and down. Yeah. I found the fences, like I said earlier, don't do too well, or trees. Yeah, the tail boom is soft. Four though. to six That's inch what grass is the perfect field for it. Yeah, yeah, dude, like the beans at Spring Fling. Oh, yeah, you'd never find it again. <laughs> you would never find it. <laughs> yeah, but definitely that's my one complaint is visibility. I tried flying it at night before, and I almost hit three people at Florida with it. <laughs> I've never flown. I've never flown that one at night. Only oh, the S2. Just in white, too, because I love the white canopy. Dude, yeah, that's just scared me at night. The S1's a little small for that. Yeah. but uh, I bet it really does, dude. Yeah, no good. So do you guys prefer the S... So the S1, 
I mean, you've seen if you if you go back and you were listening to the rotary play and you look at Ben Stork's flight, it's incredible. And the tail performance is totally incredible because he's able to do that maneuver with pretty well precision. But do you prefer flying the S2 over the S1? I do. Wait, S1 over the S2 or S2 over the S1? S2 over the S1. No, I don't I don't really like the the S2 for some reason. I prefer the S1. It just it's just that much more crashable and resilient. Oh, I prefer the S2. That's interesting. I guess we can't be friends then. See, I'm on that side. When I had a 200 <laughs> size two, I felt the same way. Like when I crashed it, it was like a list of parts that was a lot more, it, it, a lot more money and a lot more time and effort and everything versus the S1. It's a quick swap and you can get it back together and cheap. That is true. It does crash really well. The first time I ever did a Piro Pogo, which it's pirouetting and you're doing like pogoing up and down, it was on the S1 and it was because I had no fear. Yeah. While I was doing it, I was going, holy, holy crap, this is actually happening. Because it's only something <laughs> I've done on the sim. So translating from sim to real life, that thing is an easy thing to do. Yeah. It's definitely good. So for we kind of kind of jumped into flying here. I want to back us up a little bit and kind of cover a uh, few more basics. Um, and then we'll get, get into the flying a little more. But uh, let's talk about some weak points here. And that's the manual. Uh, it comes with like this little fold out thing doesn't really tell you a lot it tells you a little uh no, it's terrible it's it's yeah, terrible. i did have trouble at first uh at the end trying to figure out where to get the the app didn't show up directly on the link that was on there i think here's what i'm going to tell you ignore any piece of paper that comes in the kit go to youtube and type in goose guy s1 and you will find anything you need uh there's a lot of great content creators who put out a lot of videos on this from a million different places uh, guys like Jeff West and others that will tell you how to do the receiver. They'll tell you how to reset your pitch if you have a crash and you put a servo arm on there. Uh, they'll tell you how to set up the app. There is a great, and we haven't talked about this yet. It's in, really hard for me to believe that you, there's actually a Bluetooth module on the S1 um, so that you can download the Goose Guy app and actually tune the flight controller from your phone, which is insane on a helicopter this small. It is really cool. Can I go backwards on the packaging? Yeah, of course. Um, one thing I saw that I was, and I'm, you know, just sitting there like any other customer, I'm watching videos on YouTube and a couple of people from the US, you know, Ben and some others, not naming everyone, but uh, also ones from other countries that got the initial ones to show opening boxes were showing spare parts, main shafts and uh, feathering shafts and three or four that. pieces that didn't come in the box. That's what was kind of... Yeah. It's not that it's money. It was just like, okay, now I've got to go back and order this, this, and this for spare parts because I thought they were coming in the box. Just something I thought I'd mention. That's like a universal micro heli curse, though. I feel like all manufacturers send out like the kits to the content types and they throw yeah. in all these extra parts, extra batteries, extra blades. And then everyone else gets, you know, us regular folks get their kits and we're, we don't have all of that in it. Is that what happened? Because I watched the Ben Storick video too of what comes in the box and I saw he pulled out blades and stuff. I ran to my box and dug it open and started shaking it out like, I missed this somehow. Where is this stuff? And I was like, nope, it's not in there. The same. Yeah. I got, you get three zip ties, but later on you find out what the zip ties are for, right? What are they for? Those are, I guess, um, when you fold the boom in half, you have to, <laughs> you have to snip off the zip tie. To get your uh, motor wire loose so you can uh, pull it out through the boom and then replace. 
Yeah, I don't fix them. I crash them and yeah, buy another that's, one. Uh, they cost less I than blades. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I've given two of them away so far. I buy it, crash it, and give it away broken. Yeah, that's why you never even oh, no. one. You're just like, here you go. Yeah. It's crumbled I swear to God, at that field on Sunday, when I snapped in half, I handed it to Chris. I'm like, here you go. Here's the battery. What's batteries. the replacement you speak of? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need spares and they're disposable. This, I am not a... Replacing the boom is totally annoying having to... I guess you have to wire any helicopter, but for some reason, doing it on a, t- a micro annoys me more than others. Agreed. I, you know, that was the one suggestion on that thread we talked about in the news where Goose Guy was like, throw us any suggestions you want. We'll consider them. I was like, put connectors on the boom for the motor, like make it easy to replace the motor, make it easy to replace the boom without having to like disconnect motor lead wires from the ESC. Yeah, I found the easiest way too is if you, if you've bent the boom, which it it can get kinked, you can't really pull that connector through there anyway. So you have to take uh, needle nose pliers and bend the boom outwards in all directions that way you can slip the connector back out through the the bent part basically you fold it break it and then open it up so you can pull the connector through how uh how many of you have played with tuning the flight controller via the app i definitely uh, at, at the same fun fly where um uh, ben was with me with the s1 where he did that flight i got his settings and everything and i have a video out there of his settings so I have not actually tuned it at all. I just put his settings in there and used them and they're great. I leave that little programmer in my heli and I use it. Normally the only thing I change is like how much pitch I have because I like having a unreasonable amount of pitch. So I turn it up like 20 points or something. Okay. I have um, not changed mine at all since I did what Ben's settings are. I use those as like a template and then I went off. The, I think I ended up with just a few points above those maybe a little more agile and a little more tail gain possibly like upper 50s or so seems like it works pretty good for um the elevator and aileron gain and then the rudder gain also i went the other way i turned down the agility on uh elevator and aileron just because i wanted to to roll and flip a little slower uh it was a little too zippy for for me um yeah that's that's how it is one way if you go turn the agility down it's more it also increases the hold on it so like the gain you know it makes it stronger holding so it's a little better for stability for doing stuff like that too to control your flips and rolls do you do you guys remove the bluetooth module when you're done tuning because of the extra weight on such a small heli or do you leave it there leave it there i've been removing it it just lives under the canopy because in my opinion it weighs probably the same as a receiver and I had bound through FHSS, whatever, Futaba yeah. protocol. So, whatever. It was I always t- just I there. I plug in the battery. If I want to make a change, just do it. Yeah, I wasn't I worried about the weight. I just hadn't double-sided taped it down or strapped it down yet or anything. I'm very worried I, about the weight. It's in my head. Yeah, you know what? I was going to take mine off because I was worried about the weight, but I'm going to buy Scott's Logic there and just leave it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because I don't yeah, have right. a receiver. It makes it fly better, a little heavier. Who knows? <laughs> Well, that's probably why you can't do the time machine with it because of that weight up in the nose. (laughs) Oh, it has nothing to do with my ability. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to put that USB thing on there and I'm going to program in the Ben Stork flight. And then when the kids show up from the bike course, I can show them, look, look what I can do with this switch. This is a good question. Can we like, can someone live tune it? I mean, you know, it's already on there. 
the Bluetooth can stay connected. So does it, does your leveling, and you think your leveling still works unless you hit servo centering. So it may actually be able to adjust mm. something on the fly. Let somebody adjust something up a few points or down while you're hovering or huh. something. I don't know, but um, you don't have to get permission to join this USB connection. So if you can tune it while it's flying, then you could theoretically just walk up to anyone while they're flying and connect to their model and change their settings on them while they're flying. <laughs> that, that crossed my mind too. Yikes. That's such Turn a good idea. Turn your gains all the way down real quick. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're terrible. So other than how it flies, are there any interesting design features? Like anything they did in the build of this helicopter that stood out to any of you? I like how there's no latch for the battery. It just holds them with friction. Mm-hmm. That is nice. Yeah, I think if you look on the bottom where the skids are, like there is like a little tab that pushes up and flexes and that's all there is really i gotta say the skids are what do you got my complaint is there's no way to keep the tail driven when you're doing auto rotations with it (laughs) i've actually messed with this i wanted to do this also and i was like what if you leave five percent in the motor or something like that but it doesn't work Mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't keep the tail motor on not enough throttle yeah so if they could just have a mode that you know the tail stays active if you have like five or 10% throttle, that'd be so cool. Cause then you can actually do, they actually auto. Okay. Yeah. You could do like those easy four foot landings or something like that without having to land it all the way. But if you turn it off while you're landing, it just starts spiraling down. Yeah. And that's like muscle memory for a lot of people, especially that's ingrained in me. I don't ever touch down under power. I get like a foot off the ground. I hit hold and I settle it down. So with that, I hit hold and I go, Oh shit. Every flight. Every time, every <laughs> yep. single time. Why is that? How does it not? How do you not go? Oh, I shouldn't do that anymore. Instead, you're surprised every time. Yeah, like legitimately surprised. Like, oh, I didn't whoa. know that was going to happen. <laughs> so, and it usually tips over. I mean, you can control it even with no tail, but it tips over a lot. I've been flying mine with some. Uh, I found some torque blades. They're 125 millimeter blades, and that's the only other ones I could find. They're still a carbon plastic but they are a tad, maybe a few millimeters wider than the stock blade, which I don't know how much performance difference there is now because I've been flying these longer than the stock ones. So I have to go back and compare. What about, I don't know uh, how I've never messed up a set of blades ever. What about yeah, crashes on the original ones? How many of you have had like multiple crashes with no damage? I'm, I'm I've crashed it at least six or seven times and I've yet to replace anything. Oh yeah. Uh, the first Double one digits. I ever flew was someone else's and I like skid bumped it multiple times on accident. <laughs> it was terrifying <laughs> and it was fine. Yeah. They're so resilient. I, I hit like my roof in my I've living room. A couple different times. There's circle you marks in roof? the roof of my living Yeah. In my living room, I was flying it and I thought it would be a good idea to uh, do a blade scrape on the roof. Um, Wait, it, is it, it, isn't that called the ceiling? No, wait, you didn't yeah, land the on the ceiling. You did a blade scrape on the ceiling. Yeah, I, th- I, I landed on it too, but then I was like, well, I wonder what happens if you actually scrape the blades. Well, this is there's this really weird like and? suction phenomena that happens, and the whole helicopter, when it's about an inch away from the ceiling, just goes like, and then smacks into the ceiling and pro- progresses to... Uh, uh, it sucks it up? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like really quick too, faster than you could respond, and it just catches you know, way off guard. So it got sucked up into the roof, tail rotor starts hitting the roof and it's just going like <laughs> like all over the place and my wife's like what and then you know you hit hold and you catch it i think that sounds interesting <laughs> i want to try this now. i think i did that with a small coaxial once once you get so close it's like the air changes and it just goes right up to it 
Oh yeah, it's like the opposite of ground effect. It just sucks it in. Huh. I didn't know that. On a broken part question, um, does did anybody, and this is for even our listeners, did anybody have any tail motors break? Not like necessarily the bearings of the brushless, but like has anybody broke a tail shaft or anything yet? I feel no, like sir. on my OMP M2, I went through so many tail motors, but I haven't heard of a lot of that happening with the Goose guys. I don't know. Yeah, I was just curious. Brian, I know you're not a huge micro guy, but I know you've flown an S1 uh, a time or two. What are your thoughts on it? I actually flew the S2. Well, yeah, I probably hovered the S1. I think Sean and I were setting it up through his uh, app on the phone. But um, one thing we found out about the app, which was really interesting, is you know, you talk about the live programming. Well, I don't know about other transmitter or other you know manufacturers or whatever, but I know the Futaba kind of uses your FBL as a base, right? And whatever settings you um, program in it. And then you can make some of those fine tune adjustments from the transmitter. So we were able to change the pitch from the transmitter after it's been set up, change uh, any kind of dual rates, uh, make it more agile, less agile, all that stuff from the transmitter. So if you get a good base set up from the the, the programmer, um, then you can just you know program it again, fine tune it from your transmitter. No, that's, that's the kind true. of live one that we did with it. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I found that this thing can be super stable if you, you know, have it up in the upper range of, um, you know, turning agility d- uh, down and everything. It's super stable. I, what I was going to mention was I tested out with the um, auto level because when I first set the one up, it already had, you know, my, you, you reverse the auto level by using either an aux channel on different transmitters or if you're using the, uh, like anything Futaba protocol, it's just on your gyro channel. You just reverse it, and that takes the auto level on or off, depending on which throw you're using on the switch. So I flew around a few times with the um, auto level on, and you can full stick it left and right, forward, backward, and it only goes to maybe a 30 or 40 degree angle. So it's actually really nice for like a trainer or a beginner. You can do anything you want with it as far as your right stick, and it's not going to get out of control, really. It's pretty stable. That's actually my next question is, do we think this particular helicopter is a good fit for a beginner? I would say under those conditions, like if you're going to set it up for them where it has the auto level on first to get started and you maybe use lower head speed, like I've played with 40, 50% throttle and it cruises around and it's not, it's, it's pretty stable compared to any other micro I've used in that sense. Yeah, I think it's good for learning the basics. Do they have like the preset beginner level settings already in the? system so you got beginner intermediate or i think you just have to adjust it yourself like you just use a slider so you can turn it down the agility and it ends up you know more and more solid and you can control that with your throws also you can turn the servo um throw down on each uh individual servo just like on a full-size model nice danger though is that out of the box the performance of it is you're going to get into trouble very quickly as a beginner on this helicopter i mean the auto level for sure helps but it because it's so small, it it disappears quickly. It moves very quickly, and you know if you correct the wrong way, it goes far away fast. Um, it definitely does. Yeah, I noticed. I mean, it, the low throttle helps because it's not as jumpy and pitchy. You know, the higher you crank the throttle up, the more it gets out of control, especially if you're a beginner. I did test um, the auto level up inverted, and it does roll over and self-level from upside down, too. So if you're using it as a bailout, it works, too. All you have to do is give it a little bit of positive or just anything with a stick once you flip it, and you can pretty much save it. But if it's negative, if you have it inverted, 
it's going to come down and land on right. But if you keep your stick inverted, it's going to slam it in the ground. Happened. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, if you didn't, if you don't flip the switch, either way. Scott, would you teach someone new on this? On the S one, I don't think I would teach someone new. It's too hard to see. I mean, at the same time, I did learn everything. I started on a MCPX, which was small, but it wasn't nearly as fast of a machine. Yeah, that's something. I I progressed through micros as well, and you know, I had a Blade Nano S two, and it just was much slower. You know, similar size, a little smaller, but it was just slower. So if if you're a beginner taking this helicopter on stock settings, I think you're going to get into trouble fast, and you're better served by the S two or a two hundred size uh micro but there's nothing that says you couldn't learn on this if you really turn down the agility settings and you know stay in that low head speed i think at worst case it would give them the the benefit of getting just steering and turning and tilting you know without too much expense versus something larger depends i mean i i started out on a tiny it wasn't really a coaxial but it was very crappy you know fm type (laughs) helicopter and it was so out of control and i still figured it out but this thing was like light years ahead of that you know so it's definitely a good option in a sense even if you want you know if you want larger size for visual definitely a 200 or a 380 size might even be the way to go yeah what's uh what are you guys getting for flight time i don't know <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I do i think three uh, minutes the stock battery yeah three and a half to four if you if you're on the throttle lower like when i'm running 60 65 percent you can get four minutes and it's pretty much it lipos on its own. Like if I let it to where it starts to slow the motor down, the battery's at like 3.7, 3.6. So it's not messed up. As long as you land it when it's starting to slow down, it seems like it's okay. On the the 400 milliamp pack, the Gen's Ace packs, you get a little longer, like 30 seconds longer or so, four and a half minutes. I'm at three minutes also. Yeah, if you run 70, 80% throttle, I would say three minutes would be the max. Yeah, I'm at about three and a half. What about any recommended accessories or additions if you're thinking about picking one of these up or a particular color of canopy that you think is a little more visible? I recommend if you're going to buy balancing cables so you can charge more batteries to buy more batteries when you buy those balancing cables. Agreed. I charge because six I packs didn't. at a time. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing two or three at a time. Another thing I, I'm using is different tail blades. I found the... Um, I mean, I have not broke the stock tail blades yet, but they're a fairly stiff plastic. And I tried some OMP M1 blades and they give a little bit more. So they've been okay with hitting the ground also. And it seems like they're the same pitch and size as the uh, the S1s, but you can't just directly mount them. I actually had to print a small like little half millimeter washer that goes on the back of the motor shaft so that you can snug it down the same way as the stock blade and run those different color blades. So it's a little better visually i can an orange yellow whatever because the omp blades they have three or four different colors what about uh has anybody flown any other helicopters in this class the omp m1 or any other a similar size helis you can compare it to well i have uh i've had the omp m1 and i would definitely say this is hands down the better choice uh i felt like the m1 was just not as stable it was very similar in a lot of the other ways did it have uh, the same power? I, I personally haven't flown the M-series stuff, and it's not for a lack of not wanting to. It's just I feel like the Goose Guy, Goose Guy did a better job with marketing is what it feels like. I don't know if, if, that, if it's just that or not. 
I was coming from the OMP M2 and it flew decent, but it had like lack of tail authority was my main problem with it. And this thing is tons better as far as tail authority goes. Yeah, I feel like it's more stable. It's a little more predictable than the M1 was. Um, I don't know. It feels like they got some settings in the flight controller more right than the M1 did. M1's still a great helicopter. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. But I felt like I got into more trouble with the M1 than I get into with the S1 because it's more predictable. That's how I felt also. I've had the experience to say, so I don't know. See, and that's how you respond to threads on comparing two helicopters. People, you say, I haven't flown both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not, no, but I have the S1 and it's awesome. <laughs> uh, anybody else got any thoughts you want to share on the S1? Would you recommend it to a friend? Recommend it to everybody. Definitely have done that. Yeah. Like if you're a 3D pilot and you want something to play with, 100% buy one. They're just super fun to play with. Yeah, they're a great like throw it in the on, in your vacation bag when you're like on vacation with the family and get up before everyone and like get some sneaky flights out on vacation or bring it to work and fly it at lunch or whatever. Like it's a great like get a little bit of a fix. It's not the same as flying the, you know, the big helis, but it's still a ton of fun. I love like flying it on the side. So if you fly at a field where like maybe there's two flight stations or three flight stations and you don't feel like watching your friends fly like you are supposed to maybe do and you're all taking turns and you're all friends. Um, just going over to the side and flying this thing while they're flying. It's just something fun to do on the side for me. And I have learned things and done things on it that have led to more confidence with larger machines. Interesting. Two thumbs up. Five stars. Can you guys funnel it as easily as you can a bigger heli? I don't have a problem with so. it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. I don't know. For some reason, I have a little difficulty funneling it. I don't know why. And so I'm sure it's me, but I was just curious. Now I know it's me. <laughs> my problem with it being so small, I end up funneling it three feet from my face and figure eights. And <laughs> at least it's not a big deal because you can step back, but it's, you know, you get going and you're doing, you're trying to keep it in a smaller, tight space because it's so small. So you do you know, 20 foot radius, you know, diameter, either way, small funnels, you know, I was going to say it's easier to go fast with it. Like I tried hard to fly in my, my house. And then I tried to fly in my backyard and do like hurricanes in my backyard. Yeah. And I don't know if I should say this or not. I can hurricane with a 700 better in my backyard than I can with a S1. Just cause it's, I don't know. You got to really go so fast with the S1 like <laughs> stable. But yet a 700, you can go slow, I guess. I don't know how to say that. but Because when you're moving fast, you get all that extra air moving through the disc. And so it reacts. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a slow funnel feels twitchy. So I guess it is actually harder, Nick. I'll agree with you. Yeah, I think that's the part that's nice about it because it's helping me like fly more consciously. You know, when you're using this thing, you have to be more cautious of every little input you do. And it's not insane, but it's enough where you have to just be more careful and more controlled at your maneuvers to do them properly. And it makes you a better pilot on a larger scale helicopter. I hadn't thought about the fact what you just said, Scott, that it's actually easier to fly fast. You're hundred percent right. Doing slow. Well, I think, I think part of that is that when you're going slow, aren't you trying to be more precise and it's hard to be precise with a small machine? I don't know. I mean, I can do a hurricane quick low with that and it's, it's pretty, it stays pretty locked in to me, but if I try and do something really small, like a really, I don't know, not a tight funnel, tight funnels are easy, but if you do maybe a 10 foot diameter or a eight foot diameter hurricane type thing, 
to me, it's just a lot of up and down. I really struggle to find that altitude locked in feeling that I can get with most helicopters, you know? Yeah. So then. Yeah. I think the small one at higher RPM helps it feel more locked in too, if you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, true. I had turned the head speed down a little bit yeah. just so it wasn't making a racket. <laughs> but um, so it promotes me wanting to do bigger stuff. So then I do fast, big stuff and then I can't see it. Yep. I mean, that's why <laughs> you're doing that big hurricane way out there and you lost it. I, I do have to say this after going through some booms. One of the most important things on this helicopter, and you guys can probably, I don't know if you'll argue this, it depends on how much you've crashed these, but keep the blade grips super tight. Like don't let the blades fold because... When you crash this, the first thing it does is the blades fold and cut your boom by half. So if you tighten them, you're going to go through a lot less booms. I'm still running mine at the stock tightness of the blades, however it came out yeah, of the box. Yeah, snug them a lot because if you hit and it does fold over on the side, it bends the boom. And I've had that four or five times now. But when I tighten them, it doesn't hit the boom. No boom strikes. All right. Good tip. Usually I tell you on micros this small, you start tightening the blades, weird stuff happens. But... I'll try like, it. I'm going to try it. Case. I'm going to try it. Yeah, I went with that theory at first, but after going through enough booms, I'm like, okay, th- these have to be just folding when it hits the ground and that's what they're doing. So if you snug it, the head is pretty solid on this thing and it keeps the blades from coming down and smacking the tail. Cool. All right. Anybody else have any thoughts they want to share on the S1? Get one. Get one? Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point it's got the Rotor Revolution stamp of approval for sure. <laughs> Cha-ching. I know. Yeah. I'm going to have to get one now. <laughs> I'm glad we sold it to you, Brian. Yeah, I know. I mean, God, just very interesting hearing you guys talk about it. I think it's um, just something fun. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just fun. Sure. Absolutely. It's also fun for those bad weather days where like you get a five minute break in the rain and you just like run out in the backyard and goof off for a minute. Um but uh that uh that wraps it up for the S1 uh model review. I had um, one more thing to throw in there um, on parts. Sorry. <laughs> one more. Very, just one more very, thing. You're very consistent, Kenny. As soon as I start to rap, <laughs> you're always like, I got one more. He's Steve like, Jobs here. Homework late. <laughs> what do you got? Yeah, this is Apple. Um, so parts availability. I noticed, you know, I'm searching because I'm breaking booms and things like that. And nothing more than you would normally break with a micro. And it's actually holds up very well. But. Um, you know, you'll go to one site and you're missing this or missing that. I did communicate with some of them and it appears that, uh, some of the parts you see missing are coming in the next week or two. So just to let you know, heads up. Okay, cool. I have heard that too. The parts are on the way. Yep. All right. I think that's it. Until I start to wrap. Um, (laughs) all right. So that's it for our, uh, S1 model review. Coming up next, it's time for the giveaway. All right, we've never given anything away before. I've never done a giveaway before. I fully expect that we'll screw this up royally um, and we'll learn some lessons, but we're gonna try and and, and give this a go. So uh, you may or may not have seen some photos around the internet of the Rotor Revolution baseball hats. We've had a few made and had a few extras made to give away. So we're gonna start by giving away two of them and uh, because we want to give back to all of you amazing listeners. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks for all the positive feedback and all of you that have reached out to us. Uh, we definitely appreciate hearing from you all. So we're going to give some hats away. So how do you enter? How do you win these? So we're always looking for just a little bit of help promoting the show. We want to get the word out every week. More people are finding the podcast, which is awesome. Uh, so we're going to enlist your help in exchange for a couple of hats. 
to help spread the word. So there's lots of ways you can help us spread the word. So you can share the Facebook post of the episode, this one, for example, that we post on our Facebook page to your own Facebook or share it to a group, uh, an RC Heli group to help us get the word out. Uh, You can leave us a rating or better yet, a written review on any of the podcast platforms to help others find us. So Spotify, Amazon, uh, Apple, Podbean, etc. You can write about us in a club newsletter or post about us on HeliFreak. Anything goes. We didn't want to make this reliant on Facebook. I know a lot of you uh, are not huge Facebook fans, so we wanted to make it super easy. So as long as the general intent of whatever you're doing is to help us get the word out about the Rotor Revolution RC podcast, it's free game. So we're not going to be super strict about uh, what your entrant is. So once you've done that, take a screenshot, a photograph of the post, uh, however low tech you want to go. And then either message it to us on Facebook via Facebook Messenger to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast Facebook page, or you can email it to questions at rotorrevolution.live. Again, that's questions with an S at rotorrevolution.live is our email address, and you'll be entered to win. So we're going to give away two hats this round. We'll do it by random drawing. The contest is going to run for three weeks in total. So you're going to have until February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern time to enter. And then we'll announce the winners on the episode that will come out on February 13th. So thanks for listening. Uh, We look forward to seeing uh, the ways that you might find to help us get the word out. And uh, I don't know, guys, do you think that contest made sense? Or or did we like come up with crazy rules and we're going to get in trouble? It made sense. You laid out exactly. Here's the order of exactly what we want you to say. (laughs) Can you go over it again? I wasn't listening. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Scott, thanks for joining us, man. It's uh, it's always good to hear your voice. For sure. Thanks for letting me tag along. Yeah, thanks. I'm not going to say the usual wrap-up stuff, which is all about leaving us a review and uh, like and share our Facebook page and all the good stuff. Lots of you have joined us on Facebook with more on the way, I'm sure. But definitely look us up there if that's your thing. Uh, listener questions. If you've got a question and you want to hit us up via email, you can also use that same email questions at rotorrevolution.live. Send us your question. We'll do our best to answer it on the air. You can find us on the web at www.rotorrevolution.live. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for all the support. Episode six and many more on the way. Boom. Peace. This concludes this episode of the Rotor Revolution RC podcast. To learn more, stay in touch with the team, and to join the revolution, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, or find us on the web at rotorrevolution.live. Help us spread the word and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. For listener questions, advertising inquiries, or to reach out to the entire team, email us at questions at rotorrevolution.live. Thanks for listening.